Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got into my arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. Oh, good morning, good morning. I will talk later about Paula Grady. I am sad this morning. I may tell you now, I am quite sad. Uh, to hear of the passing of the wonderful Paula Grady but more from that uh, throughout the course of the morning because it is mayhem out there utter and total mayhem with a message from Katie PJ PJ the city is up in a heap I just got to work 45 minutes late I was in gridlock all morning between the roadworks the closed roads Dunket hell <laughs> motorists are having a nightmare start then I couldn't find a parking space because they're taking away all the on-street parking so I had to walk in the pouring rain for 10 minutes woke up in good form this morning now I'm like a wasp chasing me tail for the rest of the day the powers that be in the city would want to take a long hard look at themselves the place is an absolute mess and trust me that's not the first or the last message we've had Thomas you just sent us a picture how long are you sitting in that mess morning sir how's it going kid all right it's, her- mate. it's horrendous yeah I'm stressed I'm grey how long eight are you o'clock sitting? now eight o'clock now we have kids on the bus trying to get them to school special needs yeah and the traffic. That chip happened at 8 o'clock this morning. Why didn't he get a copper on a bike and get it sorted? Where, where did the chip happen? around all day. It happened outside the tunnel, heading into the tunnel. Right, right. So that's that's the view you sent me from the cab of your bus? No, we turned around and started coming into town. Right, right. It's mad. So are you, did you get the kids to school eventually? No, we haven't got there yet. Crikey. And what time should they be there? They were supposed to be there for 9 o'clock. Right, and it's it's ten past nine now, and they there's they, no sign of it. You drive a lot, obviously, being a bus driver. Do, is it getting worse, Tom? They're, they're telling oh, us, you know, worse. they're no, telling us, mate, worse. that oh, bear with it; it'll all be lovely in the end. What do you think? No, that green party fella should go. He's a wanker. Excuse <laughs> careful, <laughs> careful now, careful now, Tom. We're not in the we're not in the college bar anymore, mate. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Look, no, uh, I think it's getting worse. Yeah, it is. It's that crazy. tunnel is a nightmare going through it. Yeah, they seem to, seem to change the lanes day. every couple of days as well. Yeah, well, everyone stays in the left-hand lane going into it. Yeah. When you can go into the right and then go through it and then and then go across. Yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. I tell you, today is suicidal. It's ridiculous. I'll have to go now. All right, I'm mate. nearly going up to school. Have a good day. All right, Tom. Thank you very much. That's Tom who drives a bus, used to drive a truck, and the college bar reference was he used to work in the bar at UCC 100 years ago. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, Katie sent in that message. Wayne, let's go to the man who knows, uh, the man who has his finger on the pulse of Cork traffic. Wayne, it's just getting worse day by day by the sounds of it, but this morning is a nightmare. Morning to you. Uh, morning, PJ. Absolutely. Well, you get any lane impingement, any restriction of a, what's already a busy road network, and these are the things that are unfortunately are going to happen. We add today, of course, bad weather into the mix as well. Mist rain, 
strong winds, um, you know, in the city centre, we've got road closures, as you know, around McCartan Street restrictions from, from Leitrim Street, really, there, as you make your way in. They started almost two months ago, um, and they're not finished yet. So that's a busy school route. So you might have people normally maybe walking in there and getting dropped off a little a little further away, and they stroll in. Today, days like today with the weather, you've got a lot more people trying to drive in closer, a lot more traffic, slower traffic. We had congestion along the Blackpool Bypass, Hardwick Street, trying to access Patrick's Hill and make that right-hand turn down then and on towards McCurtain Street. That's all jammed. And then you've got the other side, traffic from St. Luke's that's backing up on Summerhill North. People trying to come down Wellington Road, they're in the same situation. They're not really going anywhere either. And then, of course, we had this incident at Dunkettle mm-hmm. around about 8 o'clock this morning. Right-hand lane if you're travelling eastbound. So the lane is pinched, it backs up to Bloomfield that then affects traffic down from Carries Hill trying to make its way down towards Bloomfield as well and the Town Road joining um, the Southering as well, that's all affected. So what do people do then? They go towards the city, they choose the Southlink inbound and again this morning we saw that quickly spilling right back beyond the Turner's Cross exit, basically close enough towards the Kinsale Road roundabout and that still remains the way it is right now. You and I have talked about this off-air, Wayne, time and time again. We have a situation now where the city is on a knife edge any given morning and just one pinch point and we're in trouble. Yeah, and that's... I suppose that sees, you know, I mean, I certainly see it every year from looking at it from the sky. Like, there's more and more traffic. There's more cars on the road year on year, and uh, the road just basically can't take the volume. And when we're, we're we're closing roads for road for long-term road works, or you get like that a pinch or a, a lane restriction, these type of things, unfortunately, are the results. And one leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. It's like a chain Absolutely. reaction, and that's what happened this morning. It certainly is. And as we said, the weather certainly didn't help things as well. You know, when you get weather like this, you'll get busier traffic anyway, less people cycling, walking, more people in cars and what have you. And, and all that, just all those factors combined to give what we have right now. And it still is pretty much a real mess out there. Yeah. Now, look, there's a lot going on to modernise the city, to narrow streets, widen pavements. It's all part of the sustainable transport and active movement and all that kind of crack bus connects, you name it, is in there in the mix. And they're telling us that in the long term, it'll be fine. But Wayne, what you're saying to me is the volume of traffic in our city of necessity every day, it's just going to get worse. That would be my my take on it. Definitely, um, it just is. There's just, there's just too much traffic, and um, there's just more, year on year. There's just more and more. All right. Okay. Thank you, Wayne Hilton, uh, Cork's ninety six FM traffic guru. Catch him every morning. Wayne in the plane. Although you wouldn't, you 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 couldn't fly a paper plane this morning. But thank you, Wayne. He knows where it's at. Pinch, pinch, pinch. Darren. Darren was on for there is a stop and go outside the South Infirmary says this message it's taken me from quarter past eight now to get there I'll come to that in a sec Katie just to remind you I brought it in at the top of the show maybe a bit Katie arrived at work 45 minutes late stuck in gridlock between roadworks and closed roads etc etc then couldn't find a parking space where am I? Darren is on one is he? Hey Darren how are you? Left Douglas when? Hi, uh, PJ, how are you? Yeah, you left Douglas? Yeah, I left Douglas this morning at 20 past 7 um, because I had to get over to Blackpool early enough. Um, Got over to Blackpool and I'm just on my way home now um, and I'm only at the Ski Hard Road. So it's taken me nearly two hours to get from Douglas to Blackpool back to Douglas. Good God. Two hours. (laughs) 
two hours. Now, that's kind of that's that's a kind of a good. This is a good day. There's been times when in the evening I've had to go from Douglas to Blackpool. I have a dog in daycare over in Blackpool. Um, and last week I left my house in in Douglas at quarter to five in the evening, mm. and I got to Blackpool at twenty past six. Whoa. 20 past six and I'd actually looked on the car it was a it was 10.3 kilometers but it took me you know it took me over an hour and a half nearly and this is constant today's an extreme but this, this is constant you're saying constant it's just constant I mean for me now my journey I I know every morning I hit the traffic at the south link then going around the back of the Elysian down the keys it's just constant and then coming back coming up the keys again um, and then at the last week or so now, they were doing works at the, the end of the Kinsale Road roundabout, so you're hitting it there. Going up Frankfield Hill, you're hitting it there. It's just bumper to bumper everywhere these days. And I think in the city, personally, I've seen it got a lot worse since they've changed the layout down by the keys, the two sets yeah. of keys. Yeah. That's where it's it's worse. Um, no matter what time of the day now you drive, if you're going around, say, past, um, around the back of Merchant's Keep by, by Paranel Place and things like that, you're always hitting traffic. Mm. Always there now. There's no... And people are kind of desperate to get into a lane and they're swiping and there's going to be accidents there as well. It's it's just mental at the moment. Oh, they're, they're telling us constantly, Darren, the powers that be <clears throat> at City Hall, they're telling us, bear with us, it'll all be lovely. But I think those of us who were driving around this city for a long time are watching something happen whereby just one little incident and mm. we are goosed. Totally. And I mean, you can take this morning, for example, like there's an incident at the Jack Lynch Tunnel. So anyone that's wanting to go from, say, west to east and they want to get to Mahan or something like that, they're skipping the, 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 the South Ring Road now. They're going along Black, they're going along the Ski Hard Road into Mahan that way and that's causing traffic. It's just piling up everywhere. You're not, it's just diverting everything. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Darren, thank you very much. An hour and a half this morning to get from Douglas to Blackpool back. There's a stop and go outside the South Infirmary, a delay there. Someone... Oh, God. You mean you're still not there for a half-eight appointment? They're still not at the hospital? <laughs> God, stop it, you, whoever you are. It's all the female drivers on the road that should be banned off it. They don't understand the lines. And you see them putting on the makeup. Ah, listen, listen here. Do you really want to get me cancelled now at 17 minutes past nine on a dirty, filthy Wednesday morning where one of my favourite stars is after dying suddenly? Do you want to get me cancelled as well, do you? But what it says is, and they, they don't understand the lines and you should see them putting on their makeup. Will you stop? Mr. Ryan says, Eamon, I assume they mean, Mr. Ryan says, get a bike. You want to take a bike out in that? You want to take a bike out in that? But I was talking to a pal yesterday and he said, look, I'm telling you this, he said, for months. This is someone who drives a lot in association with his work. He has to take maybe five, six, seven meetings in a day. And you can't be walking or cycling between five, six and seven meetings in a day in different places. And he said, would you ever find, find, he said, and sit them across the table in your studio. Find who has declared war 
on the humble motorist because somebody has. 0818 96 96 96. Now, you know the way the, the wheels of progress turn slowly. We were talking, what day was it last week, guys? It was back after Patrick's weekend, so that would have been maybe Monday or Tuesday of last week. I was chatting the 20th of March, which would have been, yeah, would have been Monday or Tuesday of last week. Anne was on to me from West Cork. She'd been out for a walk with her dog down near Skibbereen and she'd found fly tipping, as she commonly does. But this particular incident involved a nasty looking blue dye, kind of blue fluorescent dye. She sent us pictures of it. She was trying to ring the county council, trying to ring this fella and that fella. She was being pushed around from City Hall to Skull to Skibbereen to Inchigagan to Belgooley, probably via Mumbai in the middle of it all. She got on to us this morning to say that yesterday, yesterday, they came and took the litter and cleaned up what was left of the dye. There's only one litter, and, and, and the excuse is there's only one litter warden for all of West Cork. There may be only one litter warden for all of West Cork, and they're probably very, very overworked. But would it really have hurt when a citizen is contacting you on the Monday or Tuesday after St. Patrick's Day? This way, Monday actually, Monday after St. Patrick's Day. They've contacted you on Thursday. So Thursday the 16th of March, she found it. And today is Wednesday the 28th of March. And they took it yesterday. So two days short of a fortnight. Two days short of a fortnight to come out and take away litter and clean up whatever was left of that dye. And where on earth has that dye or chemical gone in the process? Thank you, Anne. That's ridiculous. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. You might have seen this story about the NCT and the driving test uh, the last few days. There's and Forza, the trade union that represents driving testers has told its members that from next week if you go to the driving test centre without a valid NCT on your car you won't be tested so someone who has applied for an NCT and as you know you could be waiting for September for one at this stage you've applied for the NCT you've got the appointment docket or the appointment acknowledgement in in your email printed it off that was fine up to now that would get you through on your driving test if you came along with that not anymore force of the trade union represents driving testers have said no it's a health and safety thing under some bit of legislation or other so that's now going to add to the queue for driving tests and let alone the queue for NCTs and all of that Talk to Darren Milan, um, driving instructor for the Darren Milan School of Motoring. We'll talk about that in a minute, Darren, but just on the basis of what's happening around us this morning and traffic changes around town, you're saying to me that it's, it really is a big problem trying to teach someone to drive now without ever changing traffic. Morning. It is. It's, it's, more, it's more difficult for driving instructors to actually get the job. Look, I'm at 
the driving lessons all 17 years. So yeah. I have an old area in every area of Cork. I'd know where there'd be a quiet place where you could take someone. Sure. That's starting off, right? But like my biggest problem with traffic at the moment is I I live in Balavalan and I'm primarily out of Wilton with driving lessons, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I left Wilton at 10 past three the other day to get to St. Patrick's School in Gardner's Hill. Normally could do it in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I got to the end of the South Link Road by the service station and by, by the time I got from the end of the South Link Road up to the start of Summer Hill, it was 40 minutes. <sighs> luckily, luckily, my daughter's grandmother only lives three or four doors up from the school that I was able to make a phone call. Like, But... Like, I could have left Wilton at 20 to 4 before and I'd have been sitting outside the school with five minutes to spare or ten minutes to spare. Mm. But, like, it's taken... It, it, it Like, it's gone to the stage you now where my working day... I, I'm i leaving Wilton at three o'clock to collect my daughter from after school study at four o'clock because the last thing I want to do is be in traffic sweating going, oh, my God, I'm late to collect an 11-year-old child from school. Yeah, yeah. And you're getting from lesson to lesson is getting more difficult too. It's getting more difficult. It's it's more so going from the north side to the south side, south side to the north side. Yeah. Like, like generally, if I have a lesson in passage and I need to get Douglas or if I need to go from Douglas to Carrigaline, it's not an issue. But, like, if I have a lesson in Wilton and I need to get to, we say, Knocknahini, I could be stuck on the Wilton Road for 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And, like... What, what we all try to avoid going north side, south side, back to the south side, back to the north side, but that doesn't. Um, some people like finish work at five o'clock, and some people aren't available. So, like, I get the odd day in a way. I had one yesterday where I had to go from Wilton to Silver Springs, and I had to go back from Silver Springs then to Bishopstown. Yeah, yeah. and we try we try to avoid that as much as we can, but sometimes it's unavoidable. Mm. But a lot, a lot of driving schools now aren't doing door-to-door collection anymore. A lot of the larger driving schools will meet you at a specific location, like the bus station or Douglas Court Shopping Centre. Right. And now we kind of still offer the personal service because we're we're individuals, and like that's kind of a selling edge to us that we sure. pick you up at your door and we we'll sure drop it's nice back touch. It's a nice touch, particularly yeah. for a person who's young and maybe nervous. First couple of lessons, pick them up at home. They're familiar with the roads around their home. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, like look. To be fair, like we've two young kids ourselves. We like parents don't want to be dropping kids into town waiting on for an hour and then coming back from. Yeah, like it's a much better service to pick someone up at their door and drop them back at their door. Yeah. Darren, on the NCT and the driving test thing, just tell me if I'm reading this correctly. So we know that FORSA is the trade union that represents the driving testers. And they have now Mm -hmm. said that even with an acknowledged test booking, unless you've had an NCT and had the cert, they won't test you in that car. Is that true? Well, PJ, it is true. And I'm going to be... PJ, you know me a long time. I'll always say it as it is. Yeah. I don't believe they should have ever been testing without an NCT. Oh, really? I No, I don't. And the reason being is the Road Safety Authority's job, their own motto is working to save lives. And that's exactly what they've done, right? Road deaths have halved in the last 15 years. Okay. And everything is... 
coming together the compulsory lessons speed camera vans like there's so much stuff that came on in the last 10 or 15 years and whatever we think about them all we can look at are statistics and say if you look back to 15 years ago road debts were up of 400 a year okay they're no they're no they're no at 200 a year so road debts have halved and that's a fact that the debts on the road in ireland have halved in the last 10 years okay now how on the other hand could you turn around to your staff members and say you can take these cars out road on nct because there's a backlog now what i believe should have happened was they should have turned around and said, look, the DOE, the commercial NCT, right, is done privately. Yeah. So if you want a commercial or a van, you can go to your appointed DOE centre. It's an armory garage. Yeah. You go in and you get your tests done and they might ring you and go, look, and you have a bit of rust in the brake discs there. Do you want us to fix them? Yeah. And you don't have to get it done there. Why couldn't they say, right, go to your local garage and get a... Like, the NCT is a basic certificate of roadworthiness. They only check tyres, shocks, brakes, all the main components yeah, of the yeah, car. Yeah. Why couldn't they say, right, lads, go off to your registered garage or even an old fast fit or you know, anywhere that does shocks, tyres, brakes yeah. and get them to check the car, stick it up in the ramp and get a certificate of roadworthiness to say that that vehicle is in a roadworthy condition and that'll do you for three months. Yes, 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 now, yes. Now, I, I can see how force I digged their heels in, but like, I don't know if people are aware of this at all. My wife was a driving tester for five years. You've told me this before, yeah. And force, I didn't do much for them when they were employed and let go and employed and let go. Mm -hmm. And my wife was let go last August when her contract expired. And 40 other driving examiners were let go simply because if they gave them another contract, they had to make them permanent. I see. Ah, And now, now, now the RSA are hiring 40 more people. Yeah. What did force do then? Yeah, and the yeah. listing will do now six months. Then that's what I was going to say to, to, you, to you, Darren. I, I take the point you made at the start. You're absolutely right. The, the, you know, road safety, NCT, valid NCT, cars shouldn't be on the road without it. And that is true. But we got, mm-hmm. we've got to a situation now where if I want to put my four-year-old car in for its first NCT, I go online now on the 29th of March it could be September before I'll get in there. That's not acceptable. The, it's not acceptable, PJ. Before the NCT came out, if your car was older than 10 years old, you went to a local garage and you got an MOT done. Yeah. Why don't they bring this back temporarily? Like, another thing about waiting lists, PJ, two Thursdays ago we had weather like this, right? Yes. I had a young fella take a day off work. He was six months waiting for his driving test. He paid me 140 euros for a lesson that morning and the hire of my car for the test. Yes. The examiner called them and the examiner turned around and he says, I can't do your test today. It was it was rain like this morning because I can't allow your window to open in the car because of rain. Now, this is a COVID thing that the RSA brought in that they'd wear masks and they'd leave the windows half down in the car, right? Yeah. What really made me laugh about this examiner was the same guy doesn't even wear a mask on tests. He couldn't let's, care let's less not, about let's, let's be careful about identifying anybody, oh, Darren, no, but, but the point you're yeah. making is that the, the person had, was refused their test because the, 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 the tester couldn't take him out with an open window in the rain. 
No, no. Like, and I, I'll be honest about it now, PJ, the waiting list in Wilton at the moment, right, mm. is six months, right? There's no reason today in this weather that a driving test can't go ahead. Now, if it's anything to do with safety or flooding or ice or snow, I'm totally, yes, a test can't go ahead. Mm. But they turned away six school of motoring cars two Thursdays ago because of a drop of rain. Now, each one of them examiners has been provided with wet gear. And a lot of them are ex-driving instructors as well who know that we don't get paid. If, our, if that test don't go ahead, we don't get paid. But they do. Yeah, that's and all I think, I think personally that NCT and the driving test needs to be run like a business, right? I'll put it this way, PJ. I'm in business 17 years. Yeah. My wife worked for the RSA as a driving examiner. She'd done 42 driving tests a week mm-hmm. at €85 Euros a pop. Mm-hmm. And she was paid €43,000 Euros a year. Right. Right? She made over €3,000 Euros a week for the RSA. Profit. Mm. Yeah. And yet again, they left her go. And they left 40 yeah. others go. But not only once, twice, but three times they gave them temporary contracts and didn't renew them. When my wife took the job as a tester, she was headquartered in Mallow because she couldn't get Wilton because I was a driving instructor out there and she was an instructor previously. Yeah. Her contract was expired and she was let go for six months, brought back, and she was given Limerick. Broken time. She, yeah, then her contract expired again and she was given Clan Mel. Mm-hmm. Then she was given a, a four-month extension. And then they basically told the whole lot of them that they had to reapply for an open competition. And she went back. She set up her own driving school. She set up a website, xtester.ie, and she's absolutely flying now. She's a, one of many female driving instructors, one of very few female driving instructors in Cork. Good, good, but she's also an ex-driving tester. Good, good, for her, she, good for her, Darren, but the point you're making yeah. with regard to force of the union, which is doing its job for its members, to be fair, where were they when when she and her colleagues were getting pushed around exactly. like that? Yeah. And not only, not, not only the colleagues, not only the colleagues, the RSA hired 40 driving testers in 2018 and the purpose of them hiring the 40 driving testers was the Clancy Amendment. They thought they were going to have a surge. Yes. Right? When they hired these driving testers at the start, the waiting list was 12 or 13 weeks. The waiting list in Wilton is now 30 weeks. And like PJ, we all make money for our employers. You wouldn't be sitting in that seat today if you weren't making money for 96.7. True, true. And I'm going to be honest about it. How... If this was a private business, right, why would you leave someone go when you have a six-month waiting list? And why would you leave someone go when they're making three grand a week profit for you? And there's no shortage of work there. And the simple answer to that is they left them go to avoid making them permanent. And they left them go. And they left them go. And now they're rehiring, right? And on top of that, as driving instructors, right, you can go out there. And you can hire the best driving instructor money can buy. You can do your research and you can say, this fella has 20 years experience. And you could be tested by someone that came out of an industry that has no clue 
hasn't been in the background, a lot of people don't realise that the only qualification that you need to become a driving tester is a full, clean licence for five years and a leaving cert. You surely don't, uh, you're not, you're, 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 you're surely not telling me, Darren, that you don't have to have been an instructor. No. I'm telling you, you don't have to. I'm, and I'm also telling you that 50% of the people that they hired weren't instructors. That's ridiculous. That makes no sense. It, oh, you get seven weeks training, right. right? And like in the only requirement, the last time round when they opened the open competition, you had to be an inst- you had to have one year's experience either as an instructor or tester. But that was for the open permanent competition, right? But prior to that, the only qualifications that you needed was a leave insert and a full clean driver's license for five years. Typical. Now there was a there was a you had to do a driving test again and stuff like that. So they well like they got seven weeks training. But like as instructors, then we're looking at my wife was an ex instructor and so were a lot of the others that were let go. She had ten year five years driving experience as an instructor and she was testing for five years. She's now going to be replaced with someone that probably has no yeah, background. No background. In, and or, or, and what the force do for them? That's and that's and, and they, that's the, the key question. That's the key question that you come back to, Darren. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much, Darren Milan from Darren Milan School of Motoring. So, and he supports this, by the way, the idea that you can't have a car tested without a valid NCT because. Well, you don't know the car is roadworthy, but he's also suggesting there must be a better way that you can get a temporary certificate of roadworthiness from any decent garage for three months that would enable you to hold out until you get the NCT. And he's also making the very valid point that there seems to be an awful amount of coming and going of testers, including his wife at the Road Safety Authority, where was Forza when they were getting pushed around the country and their time broken to avoid making them permanent. Thank you, Darren. And if that things weren't bad enough, there's a, an accident on Clark's Hill where the traffic merges with Rochestown Road just there by the Bloomfield Interchange. So <laughs> it just continues to get worse. 0818 with Super Value. Stock up on all your favourite treats for the perfect Friday night in and all you need to do to enter is pick a song on the takeover. Can you play the new Ellie Goulding and Calvin Harris song please? I'll have more chances for you to crack the one second song, the biggest showbiz interviews and the best music mix as you go home. I'll catch you weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home with Nyan Motors, your number one for Kia in Cork. On Cork's 96 FM. Sarah says PJ, I was in London for five days last week. The place was crazy busy. London always is with people and with traffic but not one traffic jam did I see not one accident did I come across we were on the go all day every day not one bus was late not one train it all runs unbelievably smoothly over there love the show well to us it runs smoothly when we're over there you're right Sarah we think it's fantastic compared to the chaos we put up with here but the, the, the Londoners are always complaining about their 
public transport. Maybe because they complain so much they get better services, but thank you for that message. 0818 96 96 96. Now the second set of electricity and gas bills of the new year are landing at the moment. There is another 200 credit off of the electricity, but the bills are still big. Shane, you contacted us about your bills. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. It's getting to you, man. It is, PJ. To be quite honest, you know, to start off, I do have what's called geothermal heating, so it's all electric heating I have coming from underground. Okay. Now, historically, throughout the last number of years, my bills have been about 300 to 350 every time they're sent out. Every two months, so, yeah. Every two months. So last time it was... And sorry, sorry, Shane, your whole house is electric. You're not using gas? No, I'm not using gas. Okay. No, That's not bad. That's not it's bad, not, then. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very economical, to be quite honest. So, last bill was 528 with the 200 credit. So, it was 328. And this bill, all of a sudden, went up to 1126 in the space of two months. What? Yeah, and with the 200 credits, that was 926. Now, I rang the Monday morning going... And sorry, Shane, was that an estimate or an accurate? No, that's an accurate. He actually came out and read the, the, the meter there during the week last week. Okay. So it's an actual... Bill. Bill, Bill, yeah. So I rang Electric Ireland, and uh, to be quite honest, it took me ages to get through to them. I got through to the first operator... And I told him my story, and I said, look, what's happening? And he said, one moment now, and I looked through it. And 10 seconds later, they hung up on me. I then spent the next hour and a half phoning every five minutes, trying to get through to them. And I eventually got through to another operator, and I told him my story as well. And he was very uninterested, to be quite honest. He was just going through the motions, and he said, well, all we can do for you is set up a payment plan. Mm. And I said... A payment plan really doesn't cut it if I'm expected to be paying twelve hundred every two months, yeah. and it's not the ESB doesn't seem to be going down; it all seems to be going up. So I said, "Look, just, would you mind putting me out to supervisor and we'll try and see what what the story is that it's actually jumped up to twelve hundred in the space of two months." So I was on the line for about twenty five to thirty minutes waiting for supervisor, and then the call gets connected, and. At that stage, I was just going, what's happening? Now, I know the ESB and all the electrical companies, they do need to make a profit. I understand that, right? Well, but, they returned now, Shane, they returned 800 and something million last yes, year. Yes, I know. Do you know what I mean? So like, I there's profit and profit in it, my friend. <laughs> I was looking at it, I was looking at it, and I was going, that's some amount of profit. And then I was going... I was doing a bit of research, and as far as I can see, the Irish government still haven't put a cap on the electrical charges that are happening. They've said it wouldn't be economically sensible to do so. So what's going to happen, basically, and here's a new new word for people to get used to, electric and heating poverty. People will not be able to afford to put on their heating come Mm. the winter. If this keeps on going... I know at the moment I put my geothermal heating on in the morning for an hour so that I have hot water for the day and then I'll put it on for a couple of hours in the evening to heat up the bedrooms for the kids before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's all well and good. We're coming into spring now, coming into summer. 
you know, the electric prices will be going down. But come September, what are people going to do? Unless the government start pandering to big companies and start being yes boys, it's the people of Ireland who are going to suffer. And remember, Shane, the cost of making electricity, for want of a better word, is going down because the price of holes, even if it's made... Well, first of all, I didn't see the memo about the price of wind going up. I must have missed that press release, that wind is now dearer than it was. But the price of gas is tumbling. Yes, everything is coming down. Uh, And like you said, how on earth can wind be actually increasing when it's a free resource... Fair enough, you have to put the infrastructure in. You, have you to do, you do. But you know what I'm saying. Wind, I didn't get the memo about the price of wind going up, yeah. Well, if the wind is free once you have that infrastructure set up. Yeah. So, again, to be quite honest, it's just price gouging. The government unwilling to stand up to big corporations. Mm. Well, I have just, to say when I saw those price, those profits being announced last week, I have to say that I sat back with my morning paper and thought you can actually stand there with a straight face and announce that level of profit when people are deciding whether to heat or eat and I thought how the hell do you sleep and that's what it comes down to electric poverty is going to be a new word that people will have to get used to I cannot afford 1200 every two months PJ it's like another mortgage. Mm. Mm. Like between People, my gas and electric in January, end of January, yeah. middle of February, I dropped the bones of a grand. Yeah. Um, can I do it again? If I have to, I will. But can I sustain it long term? And I'm, I've said it before, I'm well paid for this job. Poor yeah. fools haven't found me out yet. Like, <laughs> can I afford to drop a grand every two months? I can in me, Baxi. No, nobody can. No, nobody can. And and I I do consider myself lucky that I don't actually have gas heating or anything like that. It's just the the geothermal electric heating. Mm. Because if I did have gas, I'd say it might be a bit more than twelve hundred. Yeah. You know, and the government is saying, Oh, like this is it, the last credit now of two hundred, we're not going to be helping people out anymore. Of course they're not helping people out. Well bear in mind now the Greens wouldn't let them do that. The Green the, the, there was talk of a fourth one. Yeah, come into the late spring and the Greens said oh no up with that we won't put don't talk to me about the Greens though, because to be quite honest they've nothing but decimated the, I, I actually live in rural Ireland and they've decimated rural Ireland with this coal ban and turf ban I have fireplaces and I do burn wood and coal because it's the only thing I can afford and even that's getting too expensive now at this stage mm. and would you get a few sides of turf? Do you know, it's very hard to get turf, PJ. It's almost impossible. Yeah. And it's it's almost as, as as expensive as coal. I was talking to my local coal, coal Mer- merchant, merchant yeah. and he was saying, for uh, I asked him for five bags of normal coal, as I call it, and he said, we don't do normal coal anymore. He said, it's too expensive. You have to get the smokeless. It's 30 odd euro for 20. Or forty kg bag or something like that, and he said the normal call is forty five euro a bag. He said people can't afford it anymore, yeah. so we we don't sell it. Yeah. And I was going, yeah, I couldn't afford forty five euro for one bag of coal, and, and you won't get that long out of one bag of coal. You, a coal you won't. Spell. No. no, no, definitely not. Not when you have to calculate how much heating you, how much electricity you are using 
when to turn it on, when to turn it off. As I say, it just goes on for an hour in the morning to heat the water for the day, and it goes on for two hours at night from now on just to heat up the bedrooms for the kids and myself and the wife. It's getting to a stage now where, you know, if I, if I had the money, I'd be putting up a wind turbine myself out in the back garden. Yeah. But those things are just way too expensive at the moment for a normal household. Even though I was doing a bit of research, there are new household wind turbines coming in. They're supposed to be a lot more effective and a lot more cheaper. Yeah. But that's... But you're, you're grand the out the country. I can't do that, Mary Hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I, I, I have a grand view now looking out the window, to be quite honest. Like, the only thing in my way are trees. Do you know, and they'd, they'd come down in two seconds if I could get uh, planning permission. I don't know if you need planning permission or not for a residential turbine, but that's the way to go for people in the countryside from now on because ESB... They're just not doing it anymore. Yeah. And all they want to do is put you on a payment plan. And I'm going, all right, if you put me on a payment plan, what's going to happen in two months' time? Is it going to be another payment plan? Yeah, yeah. How am I supposed to afford it every know. two months, 1200 We've got a call in there about wind and what I said about wind. Its price yeah. per unit is pegged to the dearest per unit price, which is gas. This is from Aiden. So free wind, yes, you're right, yeah. the infrastructure must be paid with, or it must be paid for, but we must, the unit generated from wind must be charged at the same rate as the unit with gas. Boy. Yeah. The, you, you, you get, so the, this, all, all this crack about wind and sustainability and cheap energy and all that, it's all a load of old hooey is basically what it is. Shane, thank you. Good luck with trying to sort out them bills. Paul, you wanted to talk, you listened to Shane, you wanted to, to chime in here. Morning. Morning, how are you? What would you like to say, sir? Um, I was just listening to what Shane was saying and everything else, and we were on a prepaid meter, gas meter there, uh, for about seven years. Uh, we had water get into the meter so we couldn't top up with credit, and uh, we're an Electric Island customer. Now, actually, I am a gas engineer, so I know how the rates work and everything else. So we decided to go to bill pay meter. So they came out, they changed the meter there, I think it was last Thursday, they changed it in the afternoon. The following day, I came home, they sent me out to open the account and everything else. Now, we were 62 euros in credit, and they sent me a bill within 24 hours for 595 euros and 90 cents. For what? You were in credit? We were in credit, but apparently we contacted them, very much like Shane, very hard to get through. Um, my wife tried talking to them. They wouldn't listen to her. Uh, I actually took the phone call over, got transferred through to another lady in credits department. I explained to her. I said, I'm a gas engineer, everything else. Her exact words were for me, good for you. That's rude. But hang on, Paul. Let me get this straight now, unless I picked you up. Wrong, okay? Mm. You were in credit when you asked them to change your meter, correct? Yes, correct. They come out, they change the meter, and then present you with a bill for 500 and odd quid. Yeah. And, and, and they can't, you can't find out why? No, no. We've apparently got to wait for an investigation that takes seven to ten days before they'll contact us. And then we were out shopping on Saturday. I got another email saying my bill was now overdue. Ah, that's bloody ridiculous. I'm sorry now, Paul. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 
me and my wife were sitting there on Saturday evening and we just couldn't get our heads around it and everything else. And she said to me, she said, I want to contact the radio. And I was just stuck in traffic there, heard you talking to Shane, and I just, I had to ring you. I'm glad you did. I'm really glad you did, because that sounds to me like either a serious mistake, whatever, but no one gives gives an absolute toss. You said you're a, a gas engineer. Am I right in thinking, Paul, something's going on here The price of making electricity through gas is tumbling. And yes, mm-hmm. and yes, we're still paying colossal amounts of money. What's happening? Well, they're saying that they have to buy it 12 months in advance. They have to buy it 12 months in advance, so they're buying at the price of what it was this time last year and everything else. But the price of gas at the moment is lower now than what it was before COVID. And they're not passing on any of these benefits or anything else. Yet we know the infrastructure has to be there and everything else. It's like people that are on pay-as-you-go, vulnerable customers, they are paying a higher rate just for that meter, whereas bill pay pay people don't, you know. And the whole system's back to front. It just doesn't make sense. And to top it all, you know, the gas industry itself is being crippled by Eamon Ryan. Because at the end of the day, he's changed the whole system around. And basically, a new crowd took RGI over last year. They increased all the subscriptions and they've put all the certifications up by 12% because it's now a profit company. Yeah. And, they are, and, and also, let, let's face it here, uh, Minister, Minister Ryan had, and his party have this agenda to stop us using gas uh, not, not too far down the road. Paul, thank you very much for that. Back briefly before news to NCT issues. Colin... Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm very well, sir. What do you want to say? Uh, PJ, listen, um, you know, um, listen there about the NCT, the, the, the queues and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I wonder how much of those queues are as, as a result of, of retests. Now, I'm looking at the stats here on the NCT website, and they have a 43% of fails which in the, in the latest year that the statistics which is 2019. So it's forty three percent have to go back for a second test and that create a queue anywhere. But let me just relate a story. My wife's car went in for a test there uh, in early January this year and um it failed, right? Now it failed because they said there was insufficient contact between the brake pad and the disc, right? But on machine testing, the service the brakes came out at ninety three percent performance. Mm. Now that's a pure contradiction, right? It is actually. Yeah. Now, the other thing that they said that there was one side of the of the brakes in the back was either sticking or seized, mm-hmm. right? Now, the the imbalance on the back axle and the brakes was eleven percent. Right, I'm not over, too sure what the failure rate is on that imbalance these days. Uh, it's, it's thirty or anything more than thirty percent. So eleven ain't so bad, so. Yeah, it's not very, very good. But the strange thing about it was that I took the car back to the mechanic and I said, look, he says that that, that, that just does not make sense. Those, 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 those reasons for failing because he says the numbers are absolutely perfect. And he had a look at the car. He says, I could find nothing wrong. He says, run it back for a test. <laughs> so I rang it back for a test uh, about a fortnight later. Right. And it passed. Right. <laughs> Without having done to it. Well, no, not alone that. But the second time I went back for the test, PJ. The service brake performance came up at 85, which is lower than the 93 when it failed, mm. right? And the imbalance came up at 12, right? Which is, uh, you know, which is, which is, which is a higher percentage of imbalance than the 11 when it failed. So the numbers are all over the place. 
the numbers are under. So, like, I mean, the, the numbers of the brake testing machines, right, were actually not as good as the numbers of the day that it failed. Yeah, the day it failed and the day it yeah. passed, the numbers were worse on the day it passed and you went to a mechanic and said, I can't find that wrong. Go back and have another go. That makes no sense. Colin, thank you for that. And you're not the first to come and tell me a story like that. Appreciate that call, uh, Colin McCarthy. And thanks to Paul and to Shane. Before that, lot were busy this morning, lads. Busy, busy. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Corks 96 FM The lines are live Join the conversation Call 0818 96 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Corks 96 FM Yeah, I was sent to top of the programme I'd come back to this uh, Kogan Towers is a sad place this morning and, and tonight we'll probably dig out some old YouTube videos and watch because uh, we were, myself and uh, Queen Bee, we are huge uh, Paul O'Grady fans. I think it was she introduced me to his uh, comedy. We were only going out together and we start, she started showing me this incredibly funny drag act, Lily Savage, because I thought, you know, having seen Denny LaRue at the Opera House long ago I thought I'd, I'd seen them all and then she introduced me to Lily Savage and then Lily did Blankety Blank and Paul wrote his autobiography either two or three parts I can't remember which and we've just been huge huge Paul O'Grady fans in my house for so long every so often we'll just dig one out on YouTube and watch an old video from years ago and it's belly laughing stuff and we had booked I got a, a text from the missus one morning recently God she was out of bed it's a stupid hour of the clock she says to me um, I'm after booking this Paul Paul is in it uh, he was to star in Annie at the Borgash Energy Theatre in September and she'd booked tickets to see him we had little or no interest well I certainly had little or no interest in any as such but to go and see Paul O'Grady was what we wanted to do. We'd never had a chance to see him live. And then to hear this morning that he's passed away at the very young age in these days, very young age of 67. So sad. So sad. What an entertainer. What an all-rounder. Rory Cowan was tweeting this morning to say he literally was diseased with talent. And that is true. That is true. So Coogan Terrace will be a sad place. We look at videos tonight and we'll smile at the great memories of the great comedy and great entertainment that Paul O'Grady has given us, given a generation of people. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, there are celebrity deaths every day of the week. Not every one of them affects you, but that one certainly has made me a little sad this morning. Now, Stephanie Preisner has been writing about the the joys, Steph, I suppose, the joys and the not-so-joys of being a new mum. I didn't, I didn't realise Aurora was five months now. Morning. Six months now. Nearly she six is months. Six well, months now. Right. She's nearly. She'll be seven months uh, on the twentieth of April. So, oh. 
yeah, it's been. Uh, it, it's I. I can't even really believe it either. I don't know where the last few months have gone. It's, it's a roller coaster. I met you at, a, at an awards luncheon in, in Dublin in December, and I knew there's a new mum. Anyway, she looks harried. <laughs> yeah, around. I was, and I didn't know what way was up. Um, yeah, and every day has kind of been the same since. So yeah, it's it's repetitive and difficult, but we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. They bring a huge joy to your life, but you started to notice things a bit more about what people say. Yeah, <laughs> and how they say it. Uh, I just find that there's this sort of past remarkable, uh, this past remarkable phenomenon, right, when it comes to new mothers, but that people do it in a way that they try to trick you that they're not being past remarkable. So they'll put on a baby voice and speak about you through your baby. So what I got one time, the most recent one was a woman who approached me and in a baby voice talked to the baby and said, Oh, you're so cold. Your mommy won't put any socks on you. Oh, I'm so cold. And I was like, what am I? How am I meant to? Like, if she had just come up to me and said, your baby's cold, put socks on her. I would have been able to say, well, that's rude. You know, I'm going to parent the way I want to parent. And I do know my baby's temperature. Please stop commenting. But because they do it in this sweet baby tone, it's very hard to come back from it. Um, So... And it's not just, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I find that there's a generation of people who feel like your baby is always freezing and want babies to be roasting. So that's one thing. Yeah. And then there's others like, oh, your baby's tall. Oh, I'm so tired, mommy. I don't or or I'm not tired, mommy. I don't want to go to bed. And it's just very hard to contend with. Yeah, we are. We, I, I can remember people doing that when my two were small. All right. But don't we put like little voices on it? We put vo- little voices on the cat and little voices on the dog why would I put little voices on the baby as well but do you think is it a, you, you feel Stephanie they're criticising you for what I they d- I hmm. do I feel like they are criticising me criticising me for the temperature of my baby or whether or not she is tired and I feel like when it's a dog or a cat, it's fine. It's less as a as a new mother, you just feel so categorized by every decision that you make mm-hmm. and judged, I guess, because also this the 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 advice and the science and the guidelines change. So let's say when my when I was born and my mother was raising me, the advice was to put me to sleep on my stomach because at the time that was the safest. And now yeah. we know that that's not safe. And babies are advised to sleep on their backs. And so there's a kind of a generational advice thing that yeah. happens about what temperature to have the baby at, what to feed the baby. If you wanted to sleep through the night, put a liga in its bottle and like all this advice that is not you know, that we we have data now that says actually it's not the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, you see what what people will but the data you're correct about the data and and you say that well that's not the right and they will turn around and they'll say to you but it worked but it worked but what what worked you know like oh you're going to spoil the baby we just ignored Johnny when he was crying and he grew up fine and it's like no Johnny actually isn't fine at all Johnny has significant issues in his relationships and and a nervous attachment style because of what happened like if we look at what worked like the reason that the data is there is because we have done studies on, okay, it's actually not safe to put a baby on their back. It's not safe yeah. to give them solids before 17 weeks. And yes, anecdotally, one story, it might have worked fine in your opinion, but stories, anecdotes, that's not science. Um, and so I'm going to stick to what the HSE are now telling me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, I mean, but it's difficult to have that conversation at the side of the road when a stranger is Ain't that the truth? on how you're yeah. parenting. Yeah, yeah. The thing about lying them on the back and lying them on the front and the whole thing, I can remember my two, and it's a few years ago now, Steph, like it didn't matter what way you put them. 
that were going to roll over into their own comfortable position anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But like, Rory's not doing that yet. She's still putting, she's still falling asleep in the position that we put her in. Oh, that's good. And, you know, once they can roll, then it's fine. It's safe. To, you put them on their back and they go into the position that they're in and you leave them there. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's hard enough navigating, learning a new human and all the rules that go with them without being given outdated advice that's not... Um, and I'm not even advice then, just people's commentary. Like, I think you should have more uh, You should have more layers on your baby. Well, that's fine. I don't know who you are or why you're commenting, but my baby's just fine. Thank oh, complete strangers and, then. Oh, complete strangers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of people, when I said this on Instagram, people were like, yeah, my mother-in-law always does this. Now, my mother-in-law doesn't do that at all, nor does my mother. It's actual strangers in a coffee shop who will comment. And it's like, I, I can't... I, I don't know what to say. I don't know you. Please, please leave me yeah. alone. You know? Maybe it's a bit of... Well, you'd wonder, you'd wonder, Stephanie, would, would they do it to a complete randomer? Because let's face it, you're not. You know, your face is known. People know who you are. So they say, oh, look, there's Stephanie Price and her new baby in the corner. Look at the child that he wants sock on. And it's a way to introduce themselves to you. It's not an acceptable way. What it is. Well, now that you said that, I did, that actually didn't cross my mind because they didn't, you know, they didn't give any indication that they knew me. Yeah. So maybe they did and they just wanted proximity to me. Yeah, that could be the case, in which case then maybe other women aren't experiencing it so much from strangers. But I do find that it's kind of, yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to go out with her because someone's going to comment and I'm not going to be able to go. Yeah. It's true, though, people are very parsimarkable about how you raise your children. I would have thought that there is a huge generational thing there. You're right about it. Well, we did it this way and we did that way and we did it the other way. Yeah. But now it's done this way. That Trying to explain that methods change because knowledge changes. But you shouldn't have to explain it, should you? No, I don't think that you should have to explain it. But you do. And then people get offended. And, you know, it's it's... It's kind of a minefield. You gen- I, sometimes I just bite my lip and go, oh, yeah, I'll try it. Thanks very much. And leave. But... Yeah, it's exhausting because there's enough to be, you know, like there's enough to be learning without having to learn how to navigate unsolicited advice from strangers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's not easy. It's really, really tough. More tough, like I didn't expect it to be. I don't know what I was expecting, actually. I think when I imagined having kids, I imagined having like maybe a five-year-old. Um, I didn't imagine having a baby and how intense that would be. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I often say this, the one thing I noticed I went looking for the minute my child was put into my arms was, where's the instruction book? And you're horrified oh, yeah. to discover there isn't one. There isn't one. And there, what it, what is as an instruction book is changing all of the time. And so you have to just learn as you go. And also, you know, deal with the child in front of you who's not going to be the same as your sister's child or your brother, you know, and... Um, so yeah, that's that's particularly difficult. Yeah, yeah, but you're getting on with it. We're managing, yeah. Mm. Still alive, anyway. Yeah, I, I just want to come back to what you said about the 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 the, the passive aggressive thing. Just one last minute. Like, do you think that yes, there are look, you shouldn't really comment on how a child is is parented because you don't know. But do you seem to? And I think you're not you're not alone in this. You seem to take it personally. Passive aggressive remarks. Mm. As yeah, in, because it is personal. Like this is you're commenting on how I personally have decided to dress or 
parent or nap my child so mm. it's personal if it was if it wasn't personal it would be generic and it's not generic because what's generic is in is in the books that i read is in the internet advice that i look for yeah but when it's given to you personally on a specific thing that's happening in front of your baby then it is personal so i do take it personal yeah and you know your own mom and your own mother-in-law like do they ever sort of say to you well when you were small, Stephanie, here's what I did. Or in your mother-in-law's case, when when your other half was small, here's what I did. Um, not so much because we have, like, I think they know that we, you know, so we have we have a sleep consultant for the sleep, and we have, you know, she has an allergy to eggs, so we have uh, a dietitian and a weaning person for for the solids because we have to because she has an allergy, and so I think they leave it up to those experts I see. because they know that I am. Um, when I seek advice, I seek it from people who are qualified to give it rather than just anecdotal. Well, this is what worked in my day because that to me doesn't feel safe yeah. because it has changed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're, you're dead right. Stephanie, good luck with her. Rory, you Thanks. call her for short. We call her Rory, yeah. Her name's Aurora, but we call her Rory. All right, absolutely. Take care and thank you very much, Stephanie Preston. There are other things. I've had so many other younger mothers say that to me that would people just shut up and let me alone? And look, I come from a slightly, be slightly older, my, for God's sake, my kids are 25, of course I am. That kind of stuff ran over me like water over the duck's back. But maybe it didn't run quite so smoothly over Queen Bee's back probably if I was talking to her honestly she'd say the same thing went to my last ever parent teacher meeting last night still learning I doubt you ever stop says Kevin maybe the woman you see Sean comes up with this side too maybe the woman who mentioned the socks could see she was a new mum and was trying to help fair point but what Stephanie was saying there was well come over and say have you noticed she's missing a sock or she's you know rather than Oh, my mammy only put one sack on me. That's what she said. Yeah. I would never go back. <laughs> Sounds awful to say. But neither of us would ever go back there. In fact, if we could have had them born at 25, we'd have them born at 25. Do you know what I mean? That whole couple of years. John says, I think people are just trying to be helpful in their own way and they have different ways of doing it. I don't think it's malicious. Now, it's mo- I see it's mostly men are saying that, and I would be the same. That kind of stuff just runs off me like like water off a duck's back, but I wonder, did it? I, I know it didn't. I know it didn't run quite so smoothly off the Queen's bees back because she felt, rightly or wrongly, she felt she was being criticised. Um, and you kind of say, well, you're first. You, you're new. You're a new mother. You've never done this before. I've had seven children and I know all about it. You'll meet them. And with the best of intentions, (laughs) this is no one I know, but I'm thinking to myself, and like, I've had seven children and I know what I'm doing. There's two of them in jail and one you haven't seen in three years is a great response. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Box 96 FM. Well, I heard this report in the morning news about property prices that 
property prices are falling. They're, they had their biggest first quarter fall in more than a decade. The first quarter of this year. That's the headline. But the number of available properties is still a fraction of what it was before the pandemic. In other words, the prices are starting to go down or to level off just a little bit. But we still don't have enough of them by any manner or means. The average price of a home nationally is now 308500 according to daft.ie. In Cork, the average price of a home is 323700 nod, which is up. So there's the thing. The quarter is down, the year is up. Let's talk to Adam Ferguson from daft.ie. Put all this into plain English for me, Adam. Is the market levelling out or do we still have a huge problem? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for the um, uh So I think we look at two main factors when we consider price, that's supply and demand. You know, you've given some headline figures there at a national level. We've seen growth year on year, 2.7%, but quarter on quarter, we've seen the first drop of 0.3%, albeit it's a very small drop. So what's happening on the demand side? We've definitely seen a softening. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think that softening is associated to the macroeconomic environment. Um, you know, the Ukrainian war, inflation. And then another factor that's softening demand is increased interest rates. It's much more difficult for somebody to commit to, you know, you've given the quotation of 300 odd thousand for for a house in Cork. It's much more difficult for somebody to commit to a mortgage at a higher interest rate. Affordability has become a challenge and we're seeing a softening of the demand. Albeit, we haven't seen a strengthening in supply. So, you know, if you look at Cork City, which is up year and year, 1% 1% and quarter and quarter down half a percent. There's 191 houses, homes available for sale on March 1st, which is up 25% year on year, but it's still well below the average of, say, 2015 to 2019, that was around 250. So we've seen, a, you know, supply has not increased, demand has decreased, and as such, we're seeing a flattening in pricing. Yeah. Now, if you look at Cork County, you're actually up 1% quarter and quarter and Munster as a whole has bucked the trend with Limerick, Clare and Waterford doing quite well in terms of an overall Munster growth quarter and quarter of 0.6%. No, no, fig- figures, are fig- figures are figures, Adam, and you could spend the day going through them. But in terms of what that means for many of my listeners who want to buy a home and are saving hard and are trying to pay astronomical rents at the same time, what does it say for them? Yeah, I, I think firstly, when I think about these questions is that, look, it's really difficult for everybody. This is not a good market in terms of supply, either in rental or in sale. Um, and, you know, I have, you know, it's re- I, I feel really sorry for anyone who's trying to get on the property ladder or who's trying to save with excessive rents. And And the bad news is that we don't see an improvement in supply immediately, either in rental or in in sales, because at 191 homes available in Cork City on March 1st, that's not a lot of choice. No. Um, 
and it hasn't got easier for people, albeit we're saying today, you know, maybe maybe prices have at least flattened so you can predict what you're going to do. I don't think you're going to see the same sort of bidding runs and I don't think you're going to see the same sort of challenge. So what you're aiming for at 350 for your house or 300 for your house isn't going to change, um, which, is pros- which is good news. Um, but it's just as hard as ever to buy a house um, and I think we'll need government policy that that loosens loosens things, and particularly uh, from from my perspective and from our perspective, would be we need lots more supply, and that supply has to come via planning and 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 via builders building the houses, yeah. social, you know, three bed semis, all of all apartments for rent in in town, all of that needs to happen, and it's not happening fast enough. Do do we need uh, a new city? Adam, I'm, what I mean by that is, someone said to me recently, look at Athlone, they're in the middle of the country, doing little or nothing, but it's a great commute to all of our other places. Should we start looking at focusing thousands of homes in one place and encouraging people to commute? Is that a way to do it? Uh, all options need to be considered and everything needs to be executed to increase supply. If you're building 25, arguably 25 or 30,000 houses a year, we need 50 or 60 so though all of those ideas need to be explored. You know, could we have a fast train from Cork to Dublin and could Cork be twice the size? You know, I'm, I'm from Cork, so maybe my bias uh, is in that direction, but I think we could. We do need more development in all areas. You know, um, recently I was talking to a pub owner in Baldy Hob and he's saying people are priced out of the market in Baldy Hob and they've moved to, to rural areas of Kerry. You know, an artist that he was referring to, there is nowhere that has been left out of this lack of supply. Yeah. And in every market, it's difficult to rent a house or to buy a house, um, and particularly on the rental side. So we we need supply in all parts of the market. Talking to Michael O'Flynn, the developer, a few weeks ago on the opinion line, Adam, he said to me, yeah, we do need supply. Absolutely, we need supply. Where are we going to get the workers to build them? Because they're not there. Yeah, I... I mean that's that's one challenge. I don't know talking to to developers. I don't know that you know. I think the problem is housing the workers is a challenge, right? But but I don't think that if the planning was there, if the services and the infrastructure planning was there, I I think with the demand and the funding that could come from the government or otherwise, I I think we could find the people to build the houses. You know, we built ninety thousand houses in in two thousand and seven stroke yeah. two thousand and eight per annum. So. It is possible, and mm. I, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity if we could free up planning. Yeah, planning is the big problem. Planning is still the problem. Objections, like you'll have, you might come up with a 500-house development here on the outskirts of the city, and you, you know, being a Corkman, pick any outskirts you like. You come up with an idea for 500 homes, it'll take you four years to swing a shovel. It, exactly, and that's extremely frustrating um, for from a supply perspective and there has to be acceleration of that and reform that allows for, for, for planning so no one's going to build the houses if they can't get planning for the houses and I think that's where we're at The prices like you said are, are going the way they're going interest rates and you said at the start of our conversation that part of the reason for this was the hike in interest rates because and I don't know how anybody sleeps 
with a €250,000 mortgage. I know I certainly wouldn't. But that 250000 or €220,000 mortgage is a hell of a lot dearer this month than it was in March of 2022. And you said, and, and, and those interest rates don't look like stopping anytime soon. It's going to change things even more. Yeah, and I, I think there's almost a lag as well in the bank offerings. So there's still some very good interest rates there. I know that there's fixed rate terms of, you know, in the range of 3% available. Mm. Um, and that's a, that, that that's still a very good deal. I, I, I can only see it going one way um, for now. But they are saying that a flatten will come. So I don't know that it's going to, you know, it's not, we're not going to see what we saw in the 80s, hopefully. And if interest rates do flatten, then, you know, again, everyone will know what they need to do. Mm. If you're saving to buy a house and the price is flat and your interest rates are predictable, then at least you, you you don't have a moving bar. But at the moment, you're right, interest rates are increasing and that's making buying more and more difficult. Yeah. So lastly, to summarise, the figures are the figures, but for the young people trying to get on the property ladder, trying to get out of rental and buy their own home, it ain't getting easier anytime soon. Absolutely. And I feel really sorry for people in that position, but, you know, hopefully things will improve. Hopefully we will have planning reform and hopefully the targets will be met over the coming years. Um, and fingers crossed things get better. But for now, it is a very difficult situation. And, and certainly, for everybody. And certainly planning. Planning needs to be looked at. It shouldn't take four years to start swinging shovels. Adam, thank you. That's Adam Ferguson from daft.ie. There's lots of detail in your newspapers this morning on how those figures pan out. It's also in the in the morning radio news. Cork, the average price of a house in Cork in 20, the quarter, first quarter of 2023, the average price of a house in Cork was 323,728 yo-yos. That's an awful lot of money. Dear God. Oh, 0818 96, 96, 96 Tim, on fuel prices, Tim sends us a picture of a fuel station and says, good to see diesel falling below petrol for the first time in years. I have noticed that, actually, in the last week or so. They were stabilising at the same. I think I paid 163 point something for petrol last week. And the diesel was like 163.8 and the petrol was 163.2 and now they seem to be up and down past one another. But they are sort It's only the other day we were saying dropping below two euro was good to see. At least we're back down around 160 stroke 161. But then again, am I right in thinking I could be wrong here? We're down around 160 now, 161, 165, say, 160 to 165 per litre now. Am I right in thinking that in May, because of the carbon tax and because of the excise changes, it's going to start going up again? So just as we get it down to a manageable price, they tax us. And put it up again. You can't win, can you? PJ, the affordable housing on Hawks Road is starting at 240000 Yeah, affordable housing. Affordable for who? No, I was saying a while ago, if I had a mortgage of 250000 I wouldn't sleep. There are some people now with mortgages of three hundred and three hundred and twenty thousand. I don't know how they sleep. And certainly over the last year or so, with the interest rates going up and up and up. 
I don't know how they've been sleeping. I really don't. I mean, our own mortgage, thankfully, we're on the way down now. And my mortgage payments have gone up by, I think the bones of about 200 quid over the last year. And thankfully, we can sustain it. But I don't know how anybody with a mortgage of 320 something or 300 or 270 or 260, how you've managed to get yourself through the, the last year or so. You deserve an award just for being able to get up in the morning and put two legs on the floor. Yeah. Caller says, I've no interest in politics at all. But this is a country that's been through a crash, a world that's been through COVID, and now there's a severe war in the Ukraine. We need a bit more of a light touch in looking at this. We understand it's a complex problem. I feel like you could take on board more that people know it's a hard problem to fix. Oh, I know that caller. That's just a bit. What nothing drives me matter. Nothing gets under my fingernails or drives, grinds my gears more than certain gobdaws in the politics of this country, certain idiots who'd have you believe that they'd fix it in two years because they're out there. They wouldn't. This is a job that's going to take 10 years minimum to turn around, no matter who's doing it. 0818-969696. There's a new soccer team has started for dads with a particular thing in common. What's next? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. My moan is the junction by Dino's in Blackpool on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh my God. If you know, you know from Chris and Middleton. Yeah. I wish to moan about my life. I got paid last Friday, says somebody else here. And now I have 145 euro to last me for the month of March. What is the point in working my ass off? I'm having a rotten hair day, lads. It looks like I was dragged through a bush. In fact, my bush is in better condition. (laughs) My garden, that is. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales dealer of the year, exclusively Skoda in the city. Back for a second to Stephanie Preisner and what she was saying about you know people passing comments about her little girl when they're out and that child didn't kind of thing, and it really gets on Stephanie's nerves. We we're chatting about that, and look, people will pass remarks about children. They always have done, and they always will. John was arguing. I think people are just trying to be helpful in their own way. There's no malice. They just have different ways of doing it. That's one view. Uh, then the difference is, this is a good observation. The difference is, a man out with his child will be praised for minding their own child and for giving the mother a break. But the mum gets criticism and the comments. Yeah, that's true. That's true, actually. You'll see fella down by the lock with a small child in a buggy walking around and maybe feeding the ducks and someone will say, fair play to him. You can actually know that is kind of his job. He is, he is the child's father. Like, he's kind of supposed to do those things with his child. True. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, look, parents and children, this is the happy, happy life for so many people. But there's a bunch of fathers out there for whom, well, it's an irreplaceable void in their lives. And that is the loss of a child. Uh, dads who've lost children at all ages. Felicon is a group 
we've talked to and about many times on the programme. And now one Felicon volunteer, Mark Millard, has set up a soccer team, a soccer club, and they meet once a month at the District Health and Leisure in Glenmire just for a kickabout. And all the dads have in common the loss of a child. And it's just a way to bring them together. It's not the first. There's another one in Dublin. Mark joins me. Uh, Mark, the first kickabout was earlier this month. And it was good, I think. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, thanks, PJ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good turnout for the first one. Uh, nine nine fathers turned up. Um, many more has contacted me and will be available in, for a, a kickabout in April, probably weather permitting. But yeah, we had a really good start. We had a really good start, and um, I'm, I'm just pleased. You know, the the dads had a had somewhere to come, and you know, a little bit less formal maybe. And um, yeah, it went well. It went well. Great start. We'll talk more about it a little bit later and why it might be possibly a better way for dads to, to come together who have something, a grief like this in common. Take me back to when Isaac was born. I described that time to me. Yeah, um, 2013. He will be 10 April the 4th. It was a beautiful April morning and a it was just a normal appointment, you know. We'd attended many before, CUMH. Within sort of 30 minutes of being seen, the whole world changed, really. Although, to be honest, I didn't want it to change and probably held on to that a little bit longer than my wife did at yeah. the time. Basically, uh, Isaac was quite sluggish in mummy's tummy. You know, the usual thing with that is to get them going, you have a glass of Lucasade, sort of gets the baby moving. So, you know, I thought that nothing of it, to be honest. As time passed, they, you know, Isaac didn't really respond to the Lucasade, and then, uh, you know, it got a little bit more serious at that point. Again, I held on to everything I could, but um, in the end, Jill's eyes said it all, told me, her eyes told me that this is uh, not quite going to go to plan. It was a thing called Pato syndrome, or mm. is it trisomy 13? But Absolutely. It, it was devastating for, for poor Isaac. This wasn't something that would show up on a routine scan, no sign of it. It didn't show up on any routine scan, um, but Patos was, we weren't thinking Patos at that stage, we didn't know. You know, we just knew baby was in distress, there was something going on that wasn't quite right, and it was a case of let's get to the emergency room and ha have Jill have the C-section, and it was later on we found out that Patos, or tri like you say, trisomy, 13 is non-conducive with life so as soon as that that was diagnosed we knew we were facing you know a very difficult decision ultimately you you were going to have to let him go there was no there was no chance here no absolutely right pj there was no chance it was honestly it was a case of when we found that out it was a case of just how long were we going to allow um, the assisted breathing to happen? Were we going to, you know, he, would he have been in more pain as time went on? Probably so. So, you know, at that stage, you never, you know, you're your own son. You're never going to allow them to be in any pain unnecessarily. So that was a decision we had to make two days later, you know, on the 6th of April. How do you cope? How do you cope? You know, Jill is going through her agony. It's our instinct as men, I think, to want to fix things. This is something oh. you can't fix. 
fraud. I think I've never felt as helpless and as useless as I did mowing the lawn many times after Isaac had passed in that April. You know, I've got to get on with something. I've got to, you know, keep things ticking over, keep t- keep focused, make sure my eldest son, Quinn, he's fine. Wrap my arms around Jill, but make sure she doesn't have to worry about anything else. And you, you push everything else. You push the bereavement. You push your emotions as far down as you physically can get them. Mm. Uh, honestly, I think I, I turned into a DIY enthusiast, which was completely the wrong thing to do, mm. but it was just the mechanism I had for coping. Honestly, PJ, long-term, wasn't ever going to work. Velikhan, when and how did they come on the scene? Well, uh, thankfully... They came on the scene immediately. So when we were in the CUMH, the first thing you get offered, fortunate to get offered, thanks to Fela Khan providing it, was what we call a cuddle cot. Uh, this cuddle cot is like a cold cot. It's cold, right? So okay. it keeps Isaac, it keeps him uh, as he should be, comfortable okay. and looking great. Okay? okay, and that was a Fela Khan resource that we grabbed immediately. Thank goodness, because I was able to lie next to him we were able to cuddle him we were able to hug him we introduce him to all the family and everything even when he'd passed thankfully the nurses at cumh brought that to our attention immediately which was brilliant four weeks after you know the memorial we had for isaac which was the 9th of april we attended our first failure Khan support meeting you know very short period after if you think about it how raw that was and i think it was meant to be to be there four weeks later because obviously from what, where we are now 10 years on and Isaac's birthday approaching where we're volunteering and my wife is actually working for Fela Khan so we were meant to be there for several reasons one of which we met mums and dads who were in the absolute same boat as us who have become sort of lifelong friends since mm-hmm. Fela Khan came into our lives and they're still a, a massive part of our lives now. I think things for, happen for a reason. Isaac brought us together. I think he, he, he brought not only our friends to us, mm-hmm. but he brought Fela Khan into our lives. It are all bereaved parents. They know exactly what you're going through. And I think that's, that's powerful in itself. And you need that, PJ. You know, when you go to that first meeting, Mark, yeah. you are still going through, and I imagine if today, 10 years on, you're still going through it, but going to that first meeting, how, how important is it to know that looking around all these people, they know where we are, they know what this is like. How important is that, Mark? Absolutely essential, because ultimately you can be open and honest and transparent. You can be you. And I think that's great. With well, the best will in the world, you, you have family and friends around you who are trying to, for want of a better word, fix you and make everything better. But Fela Khan, the, the, you know, not only the facilitators of that meeting, which I remember vividly, they're aware of exactly where you are, exactly how you are feeling. And I think that allows you to just begin to open up. Is there a sense or was there a sense I'm the first person, we're the first people this has ever happened to? Yeah. When you're in the hospital initially, when it happens, you are the only persons, (laughs) the only parents who have ever been through this. And then 
when you go to your first support meeting, you realize that you're not alone. Although super raw, obviously, and, and 10 years on still is. Yeah. Um, you feel, though, you can talk to somebody who knows exactly where you are. That in itself, you know, if we had that for all grieving processes, we're unfortunately members of a club that we don't want any further people joining. Yes. But unfortunately, that's not the reality of the world we live in today. Isaac will be 10 on the 4th of April, which is about a week and a bit away. How do you mentally prepare for that? Well, it's another huge milestone. You know, when the children go to school, you know yourself, when you celebrate double digits, they call it, Mm. we're going to miss yet another one. Isaac's going to miss my eldest son's confirmation as well. Just becomes another milestone that's been missed. Easter's coming up. We've missed Christmas. It doesn't get any easier. That's the fact. Mentally, we prepare to celebrate 100%. We usually find a secluded beach, write his name and how old he is and take the photo. And we always do that. There's always balloons up in the air and so on. We we always celebrate his birthdays. Mm. We always celebrate Christmases with him. He gets presents and, and so Really? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I'm actually sat next to his Christmas present at the moment, which is a Star Wars figure we got him, which would have been perfect. So, he, yeah, we celebrate everything. You say that 4th of April is his 10th birthday. Why mm-hmm. is it so important to stay in the present tense, Mark? Oh, it's it, 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 the one thing as a bereaved parent is you will never, ever fill... No matter how many children you have first, you know, I had Quinn, he's my eldest, Isaac came next, and we've had our girls and Albie since. Nobody replaces Isaac, and nobody replaces the baby or the child you lose. They are an integral part of the family, and that's the way you have to have it. It's the one thing as a dad, actually, one thing as a father that I maintain I, and I say to other fathers is celebrate every milestone, celebrate every birthday as if they're there and they are with you. Yeah. I, we, I'm still convinced he's watching over me. I'm still convinced he's somehow coordinating the things I do, volunteering for Fela Khan for one. You, you go and talk to him at a little garden, do you? I do, yeah. He's buried um, in Little Island. We don't call it the grave. We've never done that for uh, for the kids. We call it the lovely garden. It's Isaac's lovely garden. Uh, First year, I spent every single evening with my folding folding chair. Every single evening of that first year, I would go and I would shoot the breeze after work because I, you know, drive home past the the lovely garden, updating him on what mummy was doing, updating him on what his big brother was doing telling him all the boring stuff about my work that again pj go back to what you said about fathers maybe you know need things a little different yeah. and that's what worked for me probably if you asked my wife she said well that wouldn't be anything for me that wouldn't mean as much as maybe the failure can't support meetings but for me that solace that you know chatting away i felt that he was there and listening and that's what i needed yeah come back to the football because that's the whole purpose of this conversation. Where did you get the idea? I'm not going to claim the idea as my own. A fantastic gentleman called Tony up in Dublin, who also works for Fela Khan, started it in Dublin. And we knew it was a great idea when he started it. And it was just a case of who's going to take up the reins in Cork because we need it. As the kickabout happened this week, we had nine dads turn up 
ranging from very recently bereaved PJ, which was really surprising, but I was really happy as well, to people like myself 10 years in and, and others a little longer. But it was a great idea from, from Tony in Dublin, but it was a great idea that needed to be, it needs to be spread around Ireland. Why not Cork to next? So the idea was there. It was just a case of, right, let's do this because the dads need it. There's a kind of a men's shed vibe <laughs> about it, isn't there, Mark? In, <laughs> it is. You know, we, we are, we men, we're, we're awful. We, yes. we don't talk. We keep it all inside and we bottle it all up. We need distractions. We need to fix engines or, or kick a ball or watch matches. Absolutely. And that you, you've just described it to an absolute tee because we, that's exactly what we got with the kickabout because it's informal, isn't it? If you get on a pitch, you start kicking a ball around, suddenly you start chatting. That's exactly what happened. And it was absolutely phenomenal. I found out so much from these these dads about their their baby boys and baby girls and how they you know how they're feeling now how they're going through hell how they're trying to sort of fix the issue stay protective and these were gentlemen in you know really early stages of bereavement and i was like you have to mind yourself as well just be careful because you know i i know and did exactly what you're doing now and you know you eventually hit the wall I, I'm thankful for those the, those dads that came along, and I hope to see many more. When is the next one? So April April seventeenth is the next one. Uh, so a month away, which just as well because we all said we need the time to recover. But the great thing is, you know, I have a, a WhatsApp group with every single one of them, and I'm adding more daily, and we're staying in contact. And every single one of them said, if ever you want to chat, reach out. It's a really good start. We're nowhere near finished, but it's a really good start. And when Isaac's birthday comes around next week, you'll have a lot mm. to tell him about his dad's new soccer team. A hundred percent, hundred percent. He'll be uh, updated fully, and we've got a confirmation in the midst as well. And his younger sister's birthday, so he's he's got a busy schedule. <laughs> yeah, I'll bore the ears off him, but you know he'll listen well. I'm sure. Mark, it's lovely talking to you. I'm sorry for your loss, but I think you are fantastic in what you're doing to give back. Yeah, thank you, PJ. And look, um, Fela Khan's there for us all. If God forbid you ever need us, we're here to help. And uh, my number's available. You know, any dads out there, you're very welcome. Just drop me a text if you feel you like it. You know, if you don't just now, just keep it in the back. You know, keep it on the... uh, in your contacts and you may need me or want to chat in the future. I'll give all the contact details out in a minute. Mark, thank you. Thank you, PJ. Appreciate it. Cheers, fella. Mark Millard. Yeah, we'll give the details of where you can contact Felicon, but just throw it into Google and you find it F-E-I-L-E-A-C-H A-N and you get lots of resources there. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. 
The Premier League is back this weekend on Cork's 96FM.ie with Trevor Welsh. Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. Another busy day for Trevor and the team. Live coverage of Manchester City against Liverpool at half 12. Arsenal v Leeds at three and Chelsea against Aston Villa at half past five. Premier League Live Online is brought to you by Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Quark's 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. 0818-969696. A couple of things held over from just before the news there. Bernadette was listening to my chat with Mark and the soccer team for dads who've lost a child. I know people criticise EastEnders, says Bernadette, but it's a very good way of bringing up topics. I've been following Brittany's story. It will really make you think about the choices people have to face. Very sad, but very gripping and very well done. That man, Mark, is unbelievable. Tell him he's a really brave fella, talking about it like that and helping others. But I'd be really interested in knowing if others found the EastEnders plot as good as I did. Bernadette, I don't mind telling you, I haven't seen EastEnders since, I'd say since Dirty Den was in it. Um, but I, I, I know it's still really popular. And I had heard, you read in the papers and the red tops about the storylines, and that seems to have been a really sad uh, but popular storyline and very well acted and very well performed and all of that. But thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Can I just briefly um, wish the very best of luck to somebody who has sent me a copy of their first book, and that is Michelle McDonough. Now, I worked on the press rounds, as it were, the journalists going around, the little gang of us, little press gang, were going around Cork for many, many years. Uh, Michelle McDonough, I'd meet her frequently in that chapter of her life. She has. Um, written a book called There's Something I Have to Tell You. It's a whodunit murder mystery set in Ireland and I read she got a copy of it this morning. It's from Hachette Publications and just wants to wish her well with that and the best. Cannot wait to get stuck into it. We've talked about Ozempic on the show more than once. Its benefits as a diabetes drug and its benefits as a weight loss drug. There's another one now called Wegovi, which I think is the same thing. I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. I think it's the same thing. But with regard to the likes of Ozempic and Wegovi, according to the Sunday Times, reading it's um, Julianne Carr writing in the Sunday Times quotes Donal O'Shea, who's the HSE's lead on obesity, uh, that he said there was much worry now that the drug is being hijacked by celebrities and sure enough a quick search of TikTok or any one of those other places you'll find all sorts of claims about people losing weight with Ozempic or losing weight with Wagovi which isn't exactly what these things were intended for and before Christmas I seem to recall there being a shortage of Ozempic here in Ireland and I know someone I personally know someone who uses it for very legitimate reasons and was anxious to get it not to run out of it before Christmas and they did, they did get a supply in the end, which was great to see. Julianne, you were writing about that and and uh, Wigovi and the whole weight loss stuff on TikTok in, in the Sunday Times yeah. recently. Morning to you. Just just clarify that for a second. Are they the same thing, Wigovi and Ozempic? Morning to you. Good morning. Um, so yes, technically they are the same drug. Um, they both contain semaglutide 
But the difference is, is that Ozempic is licensed for treating type 2 diabetes, whereas Wegovy is licensed for treating obesity. So Ozempic is currently available in Ireland. It can be used off-label for weight loss purposes. Wegovy was licensed here last March, but it's not yet available. Yeah, Ozempic is a diabetes drug, and I I know someone who's on it, not for diabetes, but for... For for to to manage their 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 weight, yeah. it's 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 really shot to prominence because a it is very good for diabetes by all accounts, and b yeah. because of this weight loss phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said yourself, like you know, if you just put either of the drugs into TikTok or into Instagram or anything like that, you know, it's being talked about like it's this really quick fix skinny jab I mean you know Elon Musk tweeted about using it and it was referenced at the Oscars earlier this month by Jimmy Kimmel to the audience so you know Wigovi has come on um, as this huge game changer for the obesity community you know obesity experts are really excited about it but it's being lost in translation a bit um, you know about what its purpose is for Mm. And it's the same with Ozempic, you know, it, while it can, you know, be useful to treat weight loss, that's not what it's licensed for. <laughs> People are buying it online, they're buying it from various mm. websites and, and taking it to, to lose a few pounds. And doctors are worried about that. Yeah. Why? Yeah, because I mean, um, for example, with the Ozempic, um, you know, it's something that you would have to take for the rest of your life if you want to actual actually see results long term. Um, so basically, when you stop taking this, um, you've regained the weight. And, you know, it's it's for diabetes and the Wegovy is for obesity. It's not for, you know, oh, I want to lose a quick few pounds. I might try this. Um, you know, obesity is considered a chronic medical condition. Mm. And I think experts and just people generally in the obesity field, they're, they're quite upset about this because they finally have this drug that's come along um, to treat the disease. But, you know, once things get into the hands of you know, celebrities being talked about on social media the way it is, you know, I think people are misunderstanding what it's for. Mm. You quoted one doctor, Dr. Crotty, uh, who specialises yeah. in the area. He's concerned about it becoming mm. too accessible to the wrong people. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, w- with Wegovy, um, you know, as I said, it's not yet available. It is expected to become available by the end of this year. Um, but it will be, you know, prescribed by a doctor. Um, but as you were saying, like, you know, I have seen it available on online on, in some places. Um, and, you know, you just simply fill out a questionnaire. And like any drug, you know, people can purchase it and resell it. So mm. I do think possibly when this becomes available, perhaps an awareness campaign will be needed um, in terms of of what it's for and, you know, mm. access will need to be limited so it doesn't get into the wrong hands. Um, because also there can be side effects of these drugs. You know, it's, it's not suited to everyone. It can cause fatigue, nausea, vomiting, you know, and even people with obesity, um, you know, this may not be the right drug for you. It, it really does depend mm. on the person, but it is up to the doctor who will decide if you need it. Yeah, yeah. Doctor is very critical of the whole celebrity culture, and the yeah. like, this is not yeah. something that if you get invited to a wedding, someone invites you to their wedding mm. in October, this is not what you take to get into that dress. Exactly, and I think you know that's a really good example because the fact that when you stop taking it, you regain the weight. People might think, oh, well, I have a wedding coming up. I'll take this drug for a few weeks, and then you know 
not a big deal if I put on the weight afterwards. You know, doctors are really trying to hone in on this is not what it's for. And I think, you know, it's quite upsetting for the obesity field. There's a bit of stigma attached to it. Um, but when you have, you know, people so famous, like the likes of Jimmy Kimmel and Elon Musk talking mm. about it as if it is this quick fix, um, you can understand why people have got the wrong idea of it. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a pressure on people, sort of, you know, the way, you know, that party scene, that wedding scene that can yeah. be very pressurised? I think so. Yeah, I think, you know, especially um, with I keep going back to social media, but mm. you know, we've never had so much access to the lives of other people. And, you know, of course, everyone wants to look their best. But when people are seeing, you know, in re- real time, someone posting their journey with Ozempic or Wegovi, and these are the results I've had, you know, of course, people um, are going to feel pressure to look like that. And, mm. you know, when people hear that there's something available and um, through which they can lose weight, you know, it is understandable why some people want to try it. Mm. It's, this, this kind of thing isn't new, of course, uh, Julianne. Yeah. Slimming pills were around the 80s and 90s, oh. and there was all sorts of things around from time to time. The only way to lose weight is to make make an effort at it, I guess. There's another thing you were writing about, um, or talking mm. about recently, hollow cheeks, actually having, am I right here, actually having your yes. face operated on to make your cheeks look hollow as if you are very thin. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, this the is called hell? buckle fat removal. Um, I know, yeah, so this has actually surprisingly been around for decades and decades um, since the 1930s, as far as I'm aware. Um, but again, thanks to social media, thanks to its links to celebrities, um, it's become hugely popular within the last few months. Um, so basically what it is, is it alters the shape of a patient's face by removing fat from the buccal pads. So that's a small bulge of fat in the lower cheeks next to the mouth. And it gives you that sort of um, hollow look on your face. Mm. Um, and it has been linked to the likes of Liam Payne, um, Bella Hadid, um, Chrissy Teigen, as far as I'm aware, is the only celebrity who's publicly spoken about um, having undergone the procedure. The procedure. But um, it's actually hugely popular in Ireland. Um, I have been speaking to doctors. Now, it's not offered that widely in Ireland, but I have been speaking to doctors who said there's been huge demand for it. Um, A lot of young people coming in. um, But one doctor in particular was saying, you know, they turn a lot of people away because people are a bit, don't really fully understand what it is and the kind of results that it gives. Like, what is the purpose of it anyway, other than... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically... It is sort of slimming your face. It is removing fat um, from your cheeks and giving that hollow look. Um, but you have to have a particular facial symmetry to yeah. be an appropriate candidate for this procedure. Um, you have to be of a certain age. Um, I think um, doctors were sort of saying it's sort of late people, people in their late 20s um, and in their 30s. Mm. That would be an ideal candidate for this. But, you know, there's people as young as 19 coming in and just sort of thinking, I want to lose some fat in my face. Um, I want to get this procedure. Um, But, yeah, it really is. um, It is really those links to celebrities and social media um, where this has just started to become hugely popular out of nowhere, really. And I'm looking at a picture here of, of Liam Payne and his cheeks yeah. are all hollow and he has a brand new jawline. I mean, like, I'm sorry, no, but he was a good-looking lad before that. There was yeah. no need for that nonsense, do you know? 
Absolutely. And it's it's important to note that it's also irreversible, you know. Yeah. So um, if you decide to go through with this, that is it. You know, there's there's no going back. Yeah. Yeah. And and then if you if you actually do lose weight after having mm. that, you're going to look like a like a warmed up skull. Exactly. Yes. I mean, it can, you know, it can affect your aging process. And, you know, a lot of people say like it, you know, it, it's good to have some fat in your cheeks. You know, you don't want to lose that as you're getting older. Um, so I think you have to be aware of it. And, you know, people who do go through with the procedure, they would have a consultation first with the doctor. So if the doctor doesn't think that you're the ideal candidate, that this isn't going to work for you, you know, they're not they're not going to do it. Okay. Because right. um, it is strictly a, a cosmetic procedure. There's so much been driven by celebrity culture and social media. It's it's actually getting a small little bit out of control at this stage. Thank you, Julianne Corr, a journalist with the Irish Sunday Times. Spend 10 minutes on TikTok. Just put in a search for something like Wagovi or Ozempic and you'll find people who don't need these things taking them. And the worst bit is that people who genuinely need Ozempic in the last couple of months for diabetes, etc. Couldn't get it because it was being bought up to be used by celebrities on TikTok and other people who want to be celebrities on TikTok. Yeah. World's gone mad, if you ask me. 0818-969696. Few reactions to what I was saying about uh, Paula Grady. Bernie says he was a lovely man and very upset at the death of someone who seems to have been a beautiful person. Certainly, he did. If you watched him with dogs, For the Love of Dogs was one of his programmes. And they say, whoever they are, they say that a dog knows if it's in the company of someone who's good. Dogs sense, they say, whoever they are, they say that dogs can sense people who are dodgy. My wife tells a story, Queen Bee tells a story about a guy who lived down the road from her that her family dog despised, wouldn't let in the front gate for no valid reason. And later it was discovered that he wasn't a very nice man at all and let's leave it at that. So dog, But dogs loved Paul O'Grady. They were drawn to him and he was brilliant with them. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96 on Um Listening in there, the loss of a child is heartbreaking. My daughter hasn't passed away, but her mum keeps her from me. Not for the want of trying my hardest to see her. I know my daughter's there. Not being able to see her is like having my heart ripped out. Please don't say my name. I wouldn't dream of it. I'm assuming that's coming from a fella. We did a programme here one time a few years ago. We took a call from a chap who wasn't being allowed to see his little girl. And we thought that'd be a 15-minute call and we'd chat to him and he'd tell his story and we were still talking about it three days later with the number of lads in that situation. But this is someone whose daughter is very much alive. But the mum won't let the dad see the child. That's another type of loss, which is 
almost indescribable. 0818-969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Since the announcement of the lifting of the eviction ban and they're both going through the doll to uh, announce it, we haven't done much in terms of having politicians on the show because they're kind of all saying what suits them to say. We've decided to focus on real people. The doll is like a little pantomime at the moment. They're all debating that motion of confidence which will go through. It will because none of them None of them want an election, no matter how much they'll tell you. None of them actually want an election. Let's just dip in for a second. To the Greens, tell you what to do and tell you what not to do. And at the same time, you want to stop us cutting tort. And at the same time, you want to import everything in here, in Ireland. We are an island nation. Okay, okay, that's, that's like a dip into Leinster House at the moment. To listen to that, Owen Madigan, it must make you feel kind of cross, to say the least, given that you have until August or September to move out. Morning. Morning, PJ. How's it going? Thanks so for having me on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's extremely annoying just hearing them, you know, up there, uh, just, you know, kind of debating this in the abstract when it's real people's lives that are going to be completely upended, if not up, downright destroyed by their policies, you know? Mm-hmm. I was talking to one woman yesterday and she's very tempted to do what they call overhauled. She's supposed to be out on Saturday. She says she she won't go anywhere because she can't go anywhere. Yeah, um, I definitely say to her, uh, consider it, look it up, you know, go to, you know, whatever citizen's information, get whatever information she can, because it's not illegal to overhaul. Is it not? What it does, no, it's not. Um, Do you not not become a trespasser? It's not a criminal offence, no. Um, now, I don't know the ins and outs of it, obviously, yeah. but I, I have this from, you know, from our people who do know the ins and outs. Uh, it is not a criminal offence to overhold. What it does is it puts you into dispute with your landlord, mm. and then they have to go to the RTB. Uh, the RTB have to, you know, adjudicate and hand out a judgment, and then the landlord may have to go to court to, uh, you know, to enforce the judgment. So if nothing else, it could buy you some time while you, you know, sort something else out. So I would urge everyone who has nowhere to go, overhauled, definitely. Okay, okay. What's your own situation on? Uh, My own situation, luckily, isn't nearly as dire. Um, So, yeah, as you said there, our landlord has given us a notice to quit. We have to be out here by the end of August, start of September. It's not a no particular date, but, um, you know, he said, whatever, five, six months. So we're in Cork at the minute. We moved down here just a year ago when my partner got a new job. And, yeah, we're going to have to move back to Limerick, basically. Um, she's going to move back in with her parents for a while, and I'll be living with my brother. Um, so, you know, we're we're very lucky. We have somewhere to go. There are so many people out there who don't. Mm. Which is why this is such a, you know, a horrific policy choice to to lift the ban back. Mm. Mm. Their argument is, it actually wasn't doing anything and was forcing landlords to sell up and leave the market anyway. I mean, I can see, yeah, I can see how they could kind of spin it that way. All right, but I mean, I suppose the way I look at it is, this is just the kind of the sharp end of the sword. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the eviction line is just the sharp end of the sword, but like you know, the rest of us has been, you know, the last 10, 12 years of government policy, like it's no, 
you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, we have this housing crisis for, what, about 10 years, and Fine Gael are in government 12 years. Mm. You know what I mean? There's no coincidence there. Like, it's not... This isn't a side effect of policy. It is policy. Mm. They're perfectly happy to see people going homeless as long as the money keeps flowing into the right private hands, you know? Yeah. So I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure they would say, were they here to defend themselves, Owen, oh, none of us want to see anybody homeless. Well, then they can do something about it, can't they? But they won't. What could, they do? They? What could they do? <coughs> other than other than hold on to the ban, which, like you said, has a and there's a, a constitutional difficulty with doing it for too long anyway. But what could they do? Oh, oh, lost that. Well, we take a break and see can we get him back because his line dropped. Because no, it's interesting. They could. Well, I just wanted to go into like, what what does he think could be done. Um, he is involved in the, in the protests. He was at a rally at the city centre. As he says himself, he's not in the worst place at all, Grant. He's not in the worst position himself. He's got until the end of the summer to find himself somewhere to move. Uh, it was Neve was on yesterday. Back, back uh, Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Only oh, your your line dropped. So, what what would yeah. you think that they could do or should do? Well, like I said, you know, <laughs> I'm not here to solve the housing crisis. No, no, no. But, but just, just, just. You know. Well, I mean, in the immediate term, um, you know, keep the eviction back, right? And then, you know, look at longer-term solutions, like a lot of countries in Europe have, uh, you know, when the landlord is selling, that the tenant stays in situ, you know, things like that. Mm. But, like, all they seem to be doing is, you know, kind of, basically, their solution for everything is to funnel public money into private hands. So, like, one of the possibilities they were discussing was a tax break for small landlords, 14 grand a year, which would amount to about 800 million a year, you know mm. what I mean, that they're just putting into private landlords' pockets and their own pockets because a lot of them are landlords, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, that would be the, 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 that's, that's a provision whereby it's, it's like there is if you rent a room in your house out now, you can get a, all the, up to 14,000 a year in, in rent and pay no tax on it. One of the things that landlords say, small landlords at one or two places, one of the things they say is it's not actually feasible for me to remain a landlord because every everything I earn is eaten up in tax and the rent isn't even paying the mortgage on the property. Well, yeah, I understand that. But I mean, you know, uh, like when, a land, when people buy a property and become landlords... You know, it's an investment, and every investment comes at risk. Yeah. And so they expect, you know, they think they have a God-given right to turn a profit, whereas they don't. You yeah. know what I mean? Plenty of investments fail, and property is no, no different, unfortunately, yeah. for sure. them. You know what for I mean? Sure. What, what about your own story, Owen? I mean, if, if it comes to it at the end of August, and we hope it doesn't, will you overhold? Um, I discussed it with my partner. Um, I don't think we're going to. I'd kind of like to, just for the hell of it, to be honest. You know, um, like not that we have any particular problem with our landlord or anything. Yeah. Just, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people doing it. And I don't know, it feels like kind of, you know, it'd be interesting to be part of something like that. Like you see what's happening in France at the moment, how, you know, the entire country is out on the streets protesting the um, the pension age rise. Yeah. So, you know, like there's a kind of a, I'm hoping that this will kind of galvanize people into, you know, kind of getting their feet on the street and protesting, basically, and, I don't know, God, it'd be lovely to bring down the government, you know what I mean? Michal Martin there was saying, oh, do you really want an election in four weeks' time if the, you know, if the no-confidence goes through? And all I could think was, don't you threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. 
And your landlord, like you say, you have a perfectly good relationship with your landlord. Yeah, yeah. No, to be fair, no, he's been, Joe, he's been good to us. He's been upfront and straight with us. Uh, any issues we've had, he solved them, you know, mm. in the, the same Has day. Has he given a reason why he needs you to be out? Um, he's looking to sell. I think um, it's a bit kind of, you know, he hasn't given us a concrete reason or, you know, but I think he's looking to sell. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if he owned the property fully or does he own it with some family and yeah. they're pressuring him to sell or, yeah. you know, it's kind of not my business really. Ah, yeah, no, no, just <coughs> some, some landlords will tell you straight out, look, I need to sell it or that or I want it. Yeah, I, I, I want it for my daughter who's coming home from Australia. You can see the point, yeah. like. Yeah. Oh no, I came of course, yeah, um, yeah. I know, sure. Oh, what was that in the? I forget which uh, which newspaper, but uh, that one woman, you know, the one case they found in the whole country of a landlord who couldn't access her own property because there was, you know, a tenant already there in the eviction bin. And uh, yeah, sure, she was on, you know, mm. every newspaper and every every show. I was, chatting, was in... I was chatting to a fella last weekend from I who was in exactly that position. Um, okay, so yeah. two of them, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, but like, do you know what I mean? They're using these kind of extremely rare cases to kind of stand over their awful policies. You know what I mean? That's what I that's what I don't like about it. Yeah, yeah. You know why don't you send the landlord to to homeless accommodation? You know what I mean? Like. They're very happy for, you know, to send the likes of me and, you know, working class people, oh, just go to the Garda station, they'll sort you out, go to, you know, emergency accommodation. Yeah. Well, if it's good enough for us, it's good enough for the landlord. Yeah, yeah. I can see, but because of the position you're in, how you might feel that way. I mean, you're going to, you, you face, don't you, you're living with your partner right now, as you have a right to do, and it's a desirable thing to do, but you're you're looking at being back in separate houses if you have to move to Limerick again. Yeah, that's it. That's going to be the case for a while anyway. Um, yeah, look, we've we've done that before. Like, you know, we've lived apart and I've lived abroad and things like that. So, like, we're not worried about that. You know what mm. I mean? But it's just, it's just an annoyance and an inconvenience. Like, we're, you know, we're very aware that we're the lucky ones who have mm-hmm. somewhere to go. Mm. You know, we have family who can take us in um, for, you know, for as long as we need before we can sort out our own house, hopefully. Um mm. So, yeah, like I said, you know, I'm not particularly worried for us, just more annoyed at the inconvenience. Oh, yeah. But I'm really, really angry for the people who have nowhere to go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And who are just being fobbed off, like, oh, go to emergency accommodation, go to the... There isn't any of that there, you know. even. No, that's it, yeah, so they're fit to bursting. Like, they're already operating past capacity, from, from what I understand. Yeah, and what... What I was saying last week, we've kind of avoided the politicians throughout this because, as I said, politicians are going to politic. No matter what side of the house you're on, polit- that's what they're <laughs> yeah. going to do. Um, yeah. Talking, talking to, to, to real people, do you know, and talking to the likes of, or listening to the likes of Peter McVerry and the Simon Community and many, many other groups. And I said last week, if 10 people are telling you you're dead, you should consider lying down. The whole gamut of everyone from Peter McVerry to you name it, we're all saying to the government, don't do this. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they know exactly what they're doing, like, and they're just, you know, they're but just... Do you think they of, want, do you think they want to make people homeless? Do you think they take pleasure in someone like you or your partner being in the position you're in or someone like, do you think someone up there takes pleasure in it? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they, like, actively take pleasure in it or they just don't care that that's, you know, what they're doing. Mm. You know, I, I like, I'm not a psychologist, maybe. I don't know, it's just that you, you, you've obviously taken time to think about it. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's just policy. You know what I mean? It's just as long as the money is going to the right people, as they see it, they're happy for other people to be, you know, thrown out on the street. Um, and that's, you know, that's what makes it a completely despicable policy decision and a despicable government, to be honest. Like, I mean, Jesus, like, we, you know, we haven't been blessed with great governments in this country, but this one is the worst I can, I can remember, like. Yeah. You were talking there again about the, you know, the individual landlord who might want to move a family member back in or or that kind of thing. Like, those property rights are protected in the Constitution and that's a, an additional issue with, with that, you know? Of course, yeah, but I mean, the Constitution can be changed. You know what I mean? That's what, uh, <laughs> that's what referendums are there for. Yeah. Um, you know, I would argue that, yeah, the rights, you know, property rights are far too strong in this country and, you know, tenancy rights and just kind of private private life rights or you know whatever would you have would you have would you have a question over a person's right to move their son or daughter or move themselves into a property they own um not quite sure to ask I mean yeah look if they own the property yes you know, by the law, as it's saying, they're allowed to do whatever they want with it. But there's also a kind of a, a nugget in the Constitution that they're allowed to do what they want with it as long as it doesn't infringe on the common good. Yes. So there's a balance to be struck. So in theory, no, I don't have an issue with that. And it wouldn't be a problem if there was enough housing. Yeah. But of course, you know, we don't have enough this housing. Is, this is the point. You move, move your son or daughter and maybe their new family into the house. That's fine. You're entitled to do that. But for the couple with their children who are currently renting from you, wherever they're supposed to go. Well, exactly, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, yes. you know, oh, what was uh, Leo talking about there the other day? The Land Development Agency, he said back in, was it 2018, 2017, that, oh, we're going to build 60,000 houses uh, through the Land Development Agency over the next few years. And already and yesterday, I was in conversation with someone, Owen, who said there's one particular site has been earmarked, and he said to me, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. The objections will be piling in before they even draw a picture of what they want to do. Stay there for me a second, Owen. Yeah. Roisin on overholding. Don't be nervous at all now. What do you want to say about that? Um, i just like to say that um, Well, my mother has a property that I'm hoping to move into at the end of April. Okay. Um, and basically, it's been over 15 months now that the, the tenant has had his notice. So he's had 15 months that he knows that he needs to leave the property. We've also told him if, if you find somewhere within those 15 months um, and you need to leave immediately to take up whatever vacancy you have, you're more than welcome to, to break contract and that's absolutely fine with us. Um, but on the 30th of April now, he, he's due to leave and I'm due to move in. I have plans to move in on the 1st of May because currently um, I'm, I, I have nowhere to live. Um, I'm with my mother for now and it's just not feasible to stay there. If on the 1st of May, this guy decides that he's not going to vacate the property and he is going to overhold, I'm not entitled to emergency accommodation. And I was actually thinking of, am I going to get out my tent and try and try and clean up my tent to find somewhere to put it? Mm-hmm. Because if he overhauls, um, as far as the council are concerned, well, you own a property, so you can't get emergency accommodation. I might, I might own the property, but I can't get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, I think it's kind of unfair to say that it's, it's a rare situation that I'm in. 
Um, I mean, I work in a cafe and I know of at least two of my customers who are in very similar situations to me. Um, And it's not about selling the property. It's the people that own the property may need to live in it. Um, And it's somewhat unfair that if you work all your life, we are working class. I am a working class person. I've I've worked for a very long time. Um, I'm still working. The, The rent that my tenant is paying is half of what the next door neighbour is paying mm. um, because we didn't put up the rent. We didn't need to. to. Now we can't. Um, so I still need my job. I still need to work. I'm still working class and I'm also not entitled to emergency accommodation. And if this tenant decides not to leave, it is going to be a situation where I have nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, so I think overholding, while it might not be a criminal offence, it's it, it's not to say, oh, I'll do it for the hell of us because it'll mess with the government. Owen seems to think government. there'll be a lot of people will do it because they're being told it's not a criminal offence. I'd argue it was a form of trespassing, but that's just my layman's take on it. Jeez, if a lot of people did it, Roshi. I, I think a lot of people have it in their idea that if I do this, uh, it'll go to Hall Martin and Hall Martin will be offended by it. It won't. What it'll do is it'll cause other people, either your landlord or your landlord's children, um, to not be able to get into their properties or to not be able to sell their properties. We have property rights in Ireland that if we have a property, we have the right to sell that property, whether it be for profit or because it just happens that at this circumstance in our life, we need the money that that property holds for us. If If I need to get my child over to America for horrific cancer treatments. I need money to fund that. And if I have a second house to sell, why would the government stop me from selling that house in order to pay for treatment for my child? Mm-hmm. Mm. There are people in these situations and you can't say, oh, overhaul the property because it's not the government that are going to suffer from that. It's ordinary, everyday working people. Do you mind engaging with Owen who's, who's still listening? Just... Owen, your thoughts on what Roisin has been saying there? I think she makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah, no, she does, absolutely. And, um, yeah, look, it's a tough situation for her and for the tenant. And I suppose what I would argue is that, you know, this is precisely the kind of thing the government loves, you know, because Roisin there and her tenant are at each other's throats instead of focusing on, you know, focusing their anger and outrage on the government. Mm-hmm. Are they at each other's throats, Roisin? Um, actually, no, we have a fairly good good kind of relationship in that if something goes wrong, I fix it and I expect him to pay his rent in a timely manner. Um, I, I've told him, look, I need to live in the property. Um, he has said, well, this, he will try and get somewhere else to live. I understand that he is in a very difficult situation. But at the end of the day, he has been paying a very low rent compared to what most other people have been paying, what I've been paying. Um, and he has said to me that he has the funds to buy a property. He has told me that he has the money saved, that he can get a mortgage and buy his own house. He just doesn't need to do it at this current time, up until the point where he is no longer paying rent that is lower than what a mortgage would be. Um, I, I understand where he's coming from in saying that the, the properties on the market are not exactly what he wants to buy. But at the end of the day, if that's if his option is 
to go to emergency accommodation or to put forward the money that he actually has to buy a property, then that is his choice. And he has that choice. Yeah. Um, so I, I do feel for him in that he is being asked to leave a place that he has lived for a, quite a while. But at the end of the day, he doesn't own the property. Yeah. If I lease someone my car, when I want my car back at the end of the lease, I expect it to come back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely two sides. There's more than two sides, but there's definitely two solid sides to that. There's the side of the renter, Owen, for example, uh, representing renters there, and then there's the side of Roisin. Uh, and thank you, Roisin. There's not too many people who are landlords who will pick up the phone and put, the, uh, small landlords who will put their side of the story. Listeners can just make of it what they will themselves, but there are certainly um, two sides here, two very distinct sides to this conversation. Thank you, Roshin. Thank you, Owen Madigan. I'd love to get a legal opinion on that, Emer or Fergal. Could we put a call through to one of our very reliable legal people that we call for help now and again? So if I'm supposed to leave a property on the 31st of March or the 30th of April, if I'm supposed to take, take Roisin's case, her tenant is supposed to leave the property on the 30th of April and he or she decides not to and they dig in their heels and they overhold and yes, it'll take a bit of action through the rental tenancies board and all that to get them out and all that. But if I'm supposed to be out on the 31st of May, for example, and I'm not gone on the 1st of June, am I trespassing? Particularly if I had a legally binding eviction notice served upon me. If I overhold, am I trespassing? It's just a question I'd love to get a legal opinion on because a lot of people, like it or not, like like Owen said, a lot of people are going to, are thinking of overholding. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 one of the most enjoyable chats we had on the show in a long time was with Anna Burns, who was with us on Monday, talking about trying to watch the weight and watch the shape in your 40s and maybe even in your 50s or, you know, for premenopausal women in particular in their late 30s. But for us in general, as we age, minding ourselves um, and looking after the body that we got when we were born. And then earlier this morning, talking to Julianne at the Sunday Times about people injecting themselves with all sorts of strange things to try and lose weight. And people doing Botox and this tox and that tox and the other tox. Um, and and just sort of, in, would you say, interfering with with nature. Rachel, you took a, deci- a decision a long time ago. You were going oh natural. Other than exercise and diet. <laughs> yeah, I'm going on that round now. It's very hard to change that narrative in your mind that keeps telling you that unless you look youthful and you look young, 
that, you know, you're just not accessible. It's like in Hollywood, you reach 35 and you're turfed out. But it's that narrative that even young people, I watched um, a documentary on Taylor Swift the other night with Lolly, and even her narrative about weight gain, she said, I had just have to stop the narrative that's in my head and say to myself, I'm okay the way I am. So it's, it's like, I don't want to be 24. And I'm never going to be 24, no matter how much you inject into me and suck out of me. I'm never going to look 24 because I've had 50 years of life experience behind me. So I'm just willing, I'm not willing to, to spend my time, my energy on trying to look younger. I want to look the best I can at the age I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned someone the other morning to Anna um, I was watching the new Liam Neeson movie the other night, Marlowe mm-hmm. and the movie's crap but he carries it how the yeah. hell does he carry 67? I mean I think, well I think sadly for Liam it was the loss of his wife and he just threw himself into all those action movies yeah. and I think for him it really is um, it's a survival kit for him but also he's so talented I mean you know I love Liam Neeson mm. and I, I just adore him I always have his voice um, his, his acting is superb his voice yeah. like everything but about that man he looks so flipping fit at 67 yeah. that can't be naturally possible is it Rachel do you think well he's not a gym bunny at all and he'll say that he watches his diet he does a little bit of kettlebells you know but he's not a gym bunny I just think he probably just you know, watches what he eats. He probably walks. He lives a lot in New York. He probably walks around. Mm. And also, I think a big thing for women, especially women yes. in menopause, is alcohol. And I mean, I say I have I have a, a firm group of friends that I grew up with since I'm eight, ten years old. And it's alcohol. It's like when you're in menopause, there's sleep problems. There's headaches. I suffer massive joint pains. To the point where last night I was literally walking around the house when Lonnie was asleep for two hours, had to take Panadol. I mean, it's that, it's that intense a pain. And, and there's hair loss. You know, I've, I've gone through it all. I've been in perimenopause yeah. since 46. So I've been and, through and it all. And that's the big difference, isn't it, Rich, between men and women, is you have to deal with the menopause and it wreaks havoc with you. We have to deal with the menopause. We all have to deal with weight gain. And menopause doesn't necessarily create weight gain. What it does is when you reach a certain age in your life, the fat is distributed around your body differently. And it usually lands in the belly or it lands Mm. in the hips. And that's the middle age. And that's what Anna Burns was saying. It's not inevitable. You can keep it. You you can work it down. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're... you said trying to be the best version of of, yeah. of the age you are using diet and exercise is that harder? It's, I think it's much harder for me um, as I'm I, you know I'm a lone parent and I also run uh, two companies free the way cleaning free the way property so I'm busy all the time I'm in the car and behind the computer so I find and Lolly's still of an age where she's not going to go for a five k run with me or a walk with me so it's a little bit it depends every single. Uh, situation is unique so you just try your best like we walk the dogs that's something for me um like i i try we go to the swimming pool like you do your best with what you can and this is just this is just a change that we're all going through it will pass for some you know they're going to need a little bit of um help with hrt i've decided not to go down that route i don't i don't i don't know uh what um results will you know what will happen down the line by taking those sort of things and i just don't want to risk it and my symptoms uh i can cope with 
you know, sometimes they're tough, but I can cope with it. But for somebody, and I work for myself, I'm very lucky, but if I was working for somebody else and I was going through a lot of um, the, the no sleep, you know, and that's, I'll come back to the alcohol with that one. Because there's a lack of sleep, because of pain and stuff like that, a lot of women will say, oh, do you know, I'm just going to have a glass of wine in the evening mm. and just take the edge off. I've just had enough and their, their self-esteem goes down because they're putting on a bit of weight and also you get this sort of, you get a feeling of lethargy, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, 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 yeah, it goes on. But they get too comfortable. We get too comfortable with that. And I'll put myself in that zone too. And, mm. and alcohol will interfere with your sleep because you'll have to get up and, and wee all the time and, and uh-huh. you're dehydrated. So it is a no-go. Anybody yeah. who's going through menopause should consider giving it up totally for this part, this stage in their lives, yeah. if they can. Do, do, do you have that, you know, that I said that again to Anna on Monday, you have this conversation, is that men, and this applies, I think, to men and women. You stand in front of the mirror in the morning, whatever age you are, and you go, ah, shag it, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. But you have to, <laughs> but then I look at my body, right? And I say to myself, my boobs fed, fed my child and, and made my child a healthy child. My body carried a child and brought her into this world beautifully. And okay, I have some thread veins on my legs and maybe the boobs have gone south and all the rest of it. But my body has served me well and I can do more. I mean, mm-hmm. I could do more. You could do more. We could all do more. Okay. You know, we, we just, life, life isn't as black and white as that. You yeah, know, basically. things get in the way. But you do your best. There's another, there's another one I heard one time I'm happy in my own skin there's rather more of it than there should be (laughs) but I'm happy in it (laughs) I think that's wonderful because this is our home and we're stuck with it but we can't I still have visions of me having an Elma Curiton body and I'm not giving up yet but I will do it through diet and exercise I will not get the fat sucked out of me or something injected into me that's my choice as a woman I'm going to grow old older disgracefully yeah, well, I hope this gracefully. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> Rachel, take care of yourself. Thanks a million. Yeah, doing it on. No, look, that's a, I, I love that one. I'm very happy in my own skin. There's far too much of it right now, but I'm happy. 0818-96-96-96. Very lastly, before we go, Paul O'Grady, says Maeve, helped us to smile in our living rooms through good times and sad. Helped us get through, and we'll continue to with reruns of his shows and rereading his books. And yes, dogs do suss out the good people, and they loved him, thinking of his family, including all his four-legged ones. Thanks, thanks so much for the laughs and for entertaining us," said Maeve. "Have I time for, have I time for about one minute of Lily Savage? I think about thirty seconds of Lily Savage, just to remember that wonderful character." Well, I thought, you know, a barber, I'll tell you, the excesses of show business got the better of me. You know, when you find yourself in a skip at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Big Lily, it's time to call it a day, love. And then, then there's all that business with Wayne Rooney. You know what I mean? And I thought... <laughs> I didn't know about that. Wayne Rooney? It was me, Michael. It was me. Yeah. I woke up, I looked at this spotty forehead. I thought, Lily, you're too old. He was brilliant. Uh, rest in peace, Paul O'Grady. See you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork City.
Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.